party. Get the out of here. I'm going to talk a lot about drills and fundamentals. Watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it. On 93.5. Watch it. And 107.5. Boom, baby. The Fan. Okay, so I'm not going to lie to you, Mark. So this is kind of a fog feeling, if you will. Mm-hmm. And not just what it looks like outside right now. Your your brain is kind of what it looks like. Oh, my goodness. You're not kidding. You know, so here's the thing. And good morning to you on a Monday. Mark Dykton and Kevin Bowen on vacation. My name is Jake Query. It is Kevin and Query here on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Here's the... To use that analogy, a very good one, foggy outside like my brain this morning. As I flew, I was in Toronto for the IndyCar race. Flying home from Toronto, layover was in Charlotte. Very shortly after the race was over, I was at the airport in Toronto and boarding a plane for Charlotte. All good, right? Mm -hmm. When we boarded the plane for Charlotte, the pilot said... Kind of an FYI, the there's a lot of Canadian wildfire smoke in the Indianapolis area, and you know it's it's kind of a cloudy you know environment that you're, we're going to be flying into. Okay, the only problem is Mark that was four hours ago, mm-hmm. five actually now, because we were delayed. And let me preface with this. We are very fortunate, all of us, to be able to travel, to go cover sports, and I'm fortunate that this place allows me to do it. Of course, granted, I'm doing it for a broadcast that airs on this station, but um, nonetheless, you know, there's a lot of moving parts that goes into that, and I'm very grateful for it, so I'm not complaining by any stretch. But air travel now, I get it. I mean, it just is, it's always kind of crazy. So, we... We left Toronto a little bit late, not terrible, got to Charlotte, and then as we're landing in Charlotte, our what was supposed to be like 10 o'clock flight, it's like, it's now 10.43. Like, okay. By the time I get off the plane, it's like, it's now 11.36. Okay. I start walking towards the gate. The gate has changed. Okay. Okay. As I'm walking towards the new gate, it's now 12.02, okay? So I get to that gate, and the first people that I see standing there are Doug Bowles with his wife, Beth, and their son, Carter, who, by the way, turned 21 today. So poor Carter is turning 21 basically in the airport, right? Like, hey, happy 21st. Not a liquor stand open in sight. (laughs) We're just standing around. So... They were on an 8.45 flight that got delayed until 12.35, whereas our 10 o'clock flight was delayed until 12.20. So they moved on to ours, anticipating theirs was going to be canceled. So we we sit there until 12, I, I don't even remember what time, 35, 12.50, and we're boarding our plane and everybody's getting on it. And as they're boarding, the pilot gets on and says, folks, I appreciate the fact that you're boarding as quickly as possible, but they have just let me know that there's weather moving in and we have to get this plane 
taxied out of here within the next 12 minutes or else they're grounding us for the night. And there are no flights to Indianapolis tomorrow. So now it's like the scene in Airplane where they've announced they're out of coffee. I mean, people like, and there's, of course, there's the one lady that's like, if I turn my bag this way. Oh, you're and, like, come on, lady, you're and, killing us. And people, I mean, people are literally, of course, everybody's like exhausted because it's now like one o'clock yep. in the morning. Oh my God. And they're like, oh my gosh, like, just get, are you kidding me? Just let's go. So I, I think we landed actually. I mean, then they do the thing where they're like, we're going to make up time in the air. Okay. I'm always curious how they do that. I know. I, I tried to sleep a little bit, there, and we had, and they were like, "It's going to be very turbulent." It was the, like the smoothest flight in the history of mankind. Um, so we made it here. I pulled in, and I basically walked into my house at two forty, two forty-five. Something. Did you like get that. any sleep when you got home? I looked at my Fitbit this morning. I did get a little bit. Um, I think. Two hours and ten minutes, it says. So I'm ready to go, man. Like, let's go. Interesting. Yeah, because I saw your text last night where you're like, I don't know about this. This is looking a little dicey. I was like, oh boy, I better go to bed now and well, just get when up they, early. When we got on the plane, and, and I literally, and I know everybody that's listening has been in this situation. I mean, I'm not by any, the reason I'm telling the story is because I think it's probably relatable to most people at some point when you've traveled, right? But literally. So my friend Stacy O'Donnell that I've known since kindergarten, she was coming back from a girl's trip in Charleston, South Carolina, and was also trying to get onto the flight we were on. She ended up getting on, and she we're on the plane, and she texted me. She's like, oh, my gosh, I made it. I'm like, great. And then we're taxiing to the runway, and she's texting me, and both of us are saying the same thing, which is like, I'll believe this when we're in the air. I, I will believe that we are actually taking off when we're in the air and it was not until the wheels were up and I waited to send you the text to let you know that we were on our way and that we made it airborne I waited until we were the wheels were up to send you that text so whatever time you got that text I got it when I woke up today at 4 30 in the morning because I was like I don't know what's going on today I better get up early so yeah. yeah so here we are uh good Monday morning to you as I had said we've got a lot to talk about today including Colts camp starting nine days from today right uh-huh. a Next week Wednesday. from Wednesday Colts camp will get underway also some pacers to talk about um as a matter of fact when we landed well a couple hours ago Beth Bull said to me now did the pacers play because I think there was like three of them on our flight I'm like oh okay I don't know if they would have routed Vegas to Charlotte to, I don't know that would have um, been a hell of a yeah, or they could have been coming in from a different yeah. different gate. I don't know. Uh, but we'll talk a little Pacers as well. Dustin Dopirak, right? Pretty close to Pirac, yeah. What did I say? Dopirak, or whatever you just said. Dopirak. There you go. Dustin Dopirak going to join yes. us. Yes, very good. Uh, on the program today. Uh, did you have a good weekend? Had a good weekend. Had a very good weekend. And now now we're, I know it sounds crazy, but now the grind really starts for the, the Dyketon household because we've got some traveling to do these next like three or four weeks in a row. So it's going to be wild because my brother and his uh, fiance are getting married next summer, but they're having kind of a, uh, a barbecue at their place up in Milwaukee this next weekend. So we are kind of assuming that they're going to ask us to stand up in the wedding. But they're having like a well, that seems a that seems a, a big assumption. Well, it's only a few people are coming, and like it's my other brother and his girlfriend, and like a few of their close friends. 
So we're, we are assuming that, but I've also kind of been tipped off that that's, that's what's happening. So I was like, okay, well, we should probably go to that. That's up in Milwaukee this upcoming weekend, so we'll be doing that. We're dropping our kids off at my, gran- my, my parents' house, so they'll get some grandma and grandpa time. The following weekend after that, we're using some PTO and doing a little trip. And then after that is uh, on the week of August 5th and 6th is my uncle's annual golf outing that we go to. I've gone for the last, like, 20 years. So that's an annual tradition of uh, the uncles and nephews getting together, having a good time, no no women or children there. That's always fun. So the next three weeks are going to be quite busy for us. Uh, this text, the only thing worse than going through a long and arduous travel experience is someone giving you a long, arduous, drawn-out story about their long, arduous travel experience. Be better. Uh, okay. Hey, we've all been there. I mean, I yeah, I've had plenty of. I believe I said in the story. I'm telling it because I think most people can relate to it, right? Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, I I was not jealous of your uh, travel situation last night, not at all. But I I I can relate because I've been there before. I think everybody has. That's the point, right? Mm Is like it's just. I I guess there were storms in Florida. So this, I, I mean, I believe that's probably true. And so the flights that we were getting were coming from Florida. One of the biggest panic attacks I've ever had was when we were supposed to fly out to Vegas for my sister-in-law's wedding, and my Ashley and I got to the airport, and for some reason we read the time wrong, and the door was closed, and we thought, oh my god, we're going to miss this direct flight to Vegas and be completely screwed out of getting here. And they're like, oh no, you're fine, but they called us over the airspeaker like, last call! (laughs) Ashley's in the bathroom, like, get out of the bathroom, we gotta get on the plane! (laughs) Oh my god. Did you actually have a panic attack? I was getting close, yeah. Cause I, I was like, "That's the only direct flight," and we had to get we had to get there because she was standing up in the wedding and all that. And I was like, "Oh my god, if we don't make this flight, we're going to be in some trouble." So that was pretty nerve wracking. Now, speaking of panic attacks, should I throw this person under the bus or just say the name and say it anonymously? One of my coworkers on the radio network, uh, after yesterday's win for Christian Lungard in Toronto, he is the. Uh, Russ Thompson told me 298th. I saw IndyCar said 299th winner in IndyCar history because it was his first win for Christian Lungard in dominating fashion, really, in Toronto yesterday. Pretty good race. So as soon as the race was over, our flight the race ended like right around 345. Our flight's at 720. And if you don't have the MPC app, that is a game changer if you're flying in and you got to go through a customs you can do it kind of ahead of time and kind of skip the line type thing. Game changer. But at any rate, one of the people who does the radio network with me, I won't say any names as to not embarrass him, but um, his nickname rhymes with Snack Mood. And we got done with the race, got our stuff and got out of the track fairly quickly, immediately got a cab to take us to the airport. And I'm like, okay. Because you never know. You got to go through customs when you're flying out of Toronto. It feels like you're flying out of Chicago. But, I mean, you got to go through, you're in another country, right? right? So we're going there, and who knows what the line's going to be and customs and everything else. So we're basically exiting the, the ramp to go to the airport in the cab, and I get everything ready, and I get my passport out. And the coworker says, Oh my gosh. I left my passport in the safe in the hotel. Oh boy! So I said, "Well, you're gonna—he's gonna drop me off, <laughs> nice and you. you're gonna have to go, you know, have this, keep this cab, and take it all the way." And we did cab, not Uber, because there actually was a cab. So, and he made it. I mean, he—he. He, 
they dropped me off and then he went the 40 minutes back to downtown Toronto, went to the hotel, got his passport, drove the 40 minutes back to the airport and made it with like, of course, we were a little bit delayed. That helped. Still. <laughs> um, but a good day yesterday for Christian Lungard and the race itself. I, there wasn't a whole lot in terms of the race. Lungard started on pole and he basically just did what you have to do. I mean, he, he hit every mark. Um, his team ran a great strategy for him. I think the story of the race was probably Alex Pillow, who now has the largest lead this late in the season, I believe in IndyCar history, by a long shot. The previous record was Scott Dixon had an 84-point lead at this point in the year. Pillow's up 113, I think. And he ran the last stint of the race, basically, with a broken or like a hanging on front wing and still managed to finish on the podium. Two Truly impressive. Uh, great performance from Pillow as well. I turned on the race yesterday. I was like, all right, let's see some racing, boys, and not even a lap in. Like, seven car pile up. Yeah. Let's get it going. I'm like, oh, man, this is this is not a good this is not a good ideal start under caution right out of the gate. But, yeah, Lungard hangs on, hangs on and seems like it was a pretty fun race. That track just looks like it's fun to experience. It, it is cool. You know, the, the cool thing about the Toronto track – and this is another funny thing about, and probably a long and arduous uh, sports story, but the, the racetrack where IndyCar raced over the weekend, Exhibition Place, it would be the equivalent, to, to put it in perspective for people here who have not been to the Toronto race, it would be almost identical to if they built a racetrack, a temporary street course, around the Indiana State Fairgrounds. That's the, So the Exhibition Place is basically their fairgrounds, okay? And... There is a huge soccer stadium in the middle of the track on the fairgrounds called BMO Field. That's where the Toronto FC MLS team and and it's interesting because I'm looking at BMO Field, which is a nice stadium, but it was probably built sometime in the mid 90s. All of the seats are just plastic, literally plastic seats, not even cushioned, just red plastic seats. Probably, I guess there's eleven thousand of them. It is a very simple two-sided stadium with you know a little bit of stuff in the end zones and the field and that's it and it's in it would be the equivalent of like the coliseum for us in terms of arenas although it's a stadium and i'm thinking it's interesting that that's where an mls team in the largest city in canada and like one of the 10 largest cities in north america plays but we have a billion dollar stadium coming for a like double a team mm-hmm. but that's cool i mean whatever that <laughs> oh boy going down um, that road already but the 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 stadium the bmo field the parking lot for it that is where the original exhibition place where the Blue Jays played, that's where the stadium was. So if you watched the, as I did, the 85 ALCS between the Blue Jays and the Royals, where the Blue Jays gave up a 3-1 lead and the Royals went on to win the World Series. But George Bell and Lloyd Mosby and some of those really good Blue Jays teams in the mid-80s, that that's where their stadium was. And they actually have in the parking lot, the they have the bronze in in the inlay of the cement home plate first base second base third base and it is kind of weird to look at aerials of the stadium and think like just in this parking lot like the home plate where home plate was i was looking for it i couldn't find it because i could see where third base was so i'm like well home base has got to be in this area and some woman was just basically standing on it 
uh, as part of the beer tent where they had like a micro beer oh. tent because it's in the fan village for the race itself. Um, but it is a cool event, and it's been on their schedule for a long time. And so as a result of that, you know, in in Toronto, like when I landed and was was taking the train to the hotel on Friday night, the guy sitting next to me on the train is like, what are you doing in Toronto? And I'm like, I'm here for the, the Honda Indy Toronto. And he's like, oh, man, you know, I'm not going this year, but I've always been a fan, da, 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 da. So we ended up. I ended up getting him tickets, and he went to the race because it is an event in Toronto that's on their schedule. It's in their mind. You know what I mean? Oh, it's race weekend, that kind of thing, which is always cool. Um, did you watch part of what I watched yesterday? In be, in between the warm up and the race itself, just in the media center, they had Wimbledon on. That was unbelievable. Yeah, was, I, I I caught a little bit of it. I didn't see much of it, but I saw that Novak Djokovic took the L, and it was kind of like he's like, you know what? I've won quite a bit. I probably won some that I probably shouldn't have, and I don't even know what's the guy's name that I'm gonna Alcaraz. Put, Alcaraz, yes, took the win yesterday. I, here's the thing: how many people, if you stopped, if, if if you're on the, I always use the Las Vegas Strip, okay? If you were on the Las Vegas Strip and you randomly stopped 1,000 people, and you said, "Who is the number one ranked men's tennis player in the world?" How many are coming up with Carlos Alcaraz? Zero. People probably still say Roger Federer or Rafael Nadal. Okay, how about this? If you stopped a thousand people and said, "I'm going to tell, name a player and you tell me his ranking," Carlos Alcaraz, how many would be able to say he's number one? Zero. I mean, don't you think most people would think Djokovic? Like, it's weird to think that Djokovic winning that probably would have been not an upset, but that would have been, you know what I mean? I mean, I realize Djokovic is, his dominance is unprecedented. But still, I mean, it's the number one player in the world should win, right? You would but think. It, it was yeah. a great match, though, and they had some, um, I, I didn't obviously get to see a, the whole thing. But four hours and 42 minutes, I mean, the third longest final in Wimbledon history. Yeah. It went for a while. Yeah. I was like, you can watch a few of the Godfathers in that amount of time. Still some time left over. I, you know, I saw the original Godfather on a flight, actually. <clears throat> and it was weird because the movie starts and it goes right into it. There's no, like, opening scene and then credits or anything. It just, it just starts. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like... Oh, this is just like the opening little scene, and then the credits are going to come on, and it never happened. Like the credit, it just kept going. Yeah. And I thought it was, I, I realize it's probably the most precise film ever made, but I, I found it, there was such a buildup to it because I hadn't seen it. In t I mean, it, this was like eight years ago, the first time I ever saw it. So it's hard to live up to the cultural hype around it. Right. Yeah, especially when you've, it's been around for so long. And everybody's like, oh, that's one of the greatest films of all time. And you're like, oh, okay. And then you kind of judge for yourself for a first-time viewer. You're kind of like, okay, this either did or did not live up to the hype. And usually it falls short of the hype because you've heard so much about it that you're like, this can't possibly live up to the hype that I've heard about it. Uh, the Reds did not live up to the hype after the All-Star break. That is back to earth Boy. for the Red Legs. Kevin was worried heading into the All-Star break, and he has reason to be concerned because, yeah, a clean sweep by the Milwaukee Brewers over the weekend. The Reds, four-game losing streak. Not an ideal start for the second half of the baseball season for your Cincinnati Red Legs. Not, not good. Still six games over 500. I mean, look, you can't totally complain, right? I mean, you're... But you're hoping that 
you know, was that last like month and a half a fluke? I mean, I keep thinking like at some point this starting pitching is going to catch up to him and everything. And you can see when the bats aren't when the bats aren't really producing, it puts more onus on the starting pitching of the Reds, and obviously not an ideal thing for them. And they've got a tough series coming up now because they've got the Giants up next, so that's gonna be tough. On the other side, though, your Baltimore Orioles cannot be stopped. Did you see that eight eight game winning streak? A game behind the Tampa Bay Rays well, right now. Why are you acting like I would be surprised by this? I don't know. Cute fellas doing it. And my my Arizona Diamondbacks are cratering back to earth. Four-game losing streak on their own. I'm not I'm not loving my chances right now. So, you, you got a nice, clear like lead right now of like four games. So our race for PBR, okay? We did this at the beginning of the season when the Major League Baseball season started. We took the over-unders of every team in the majors, and we each took a team – that had an over-under of, what was it, 75 or or less? Win total projection of under 75, yeah. And so I took the – with the deal is whoever has the team with the best record, the other two chip in to buy them a six-pack of PBR. Mm-hmm. It was originally supposed to be the three of us, me, you, and Kevin. And then JMV got involved. He took – the Kansas Royals. City Royals. He has no chance. The Royals are twenty-seven and sixty-seven, uh, which is pathetic. Except for that, Kevin's Oakland Athletics are twenty-five and seventy. Only thirty and a half games out of first place. Thirty-four and a half back. Oakland is in the in the wild card. Or no, yeah, they're thirty-four and a half back in the league itself. Now, you took the Arizona Diamondbacks, who have had a good start: fifty-two uh-huh. and forty-two, ten games over five hundred. Winning percentage of five fifty three. I took the cute fellow Baltimore Orioles fifty seven and thirty five. They have the second, uh, third best record in all of baseball. They're looking pretty good. Bring it on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eddie Garrison got involved in this game. I believe he took the Pittsburgh Pirates, if I'm not mistaken. Forty one and fifty two for the Pirates. It's basically a two two horse race. You you and me. That's it. Yeah. Kevin's out. JMV's out. Eddie's out. I think Jimmy wanted into. He can't. I think took the Rockies there. Equally terrible, thirty six and fifty eight. It's a two horse race right now. I got to thinking a lot about our conversation with the Colts from last week, and maybe every franchise goes through this, Mark. But it seems like every training camp, every year for the Colts, there is some player that we don't even know what their availability is going to be. A marquee player. Mm-hmm. I mean, going way back, like it just seems like there's always somebody. I guess it's. The, I, I guess it's a huge gift for those of us that are sports talk hosts in Indianapolis because it gives us something to talk about, right? But it just feels like there's always one player, either critical time of the season or heading into the preseason, where we just have huge question marks about their health and. It's again Shaquille Leonard, and I know that this is going to be a topic that's probably going to be broken record. But Mark, I I don't know that we ever see him again, and I, I I hate saying that. I'm not rooting for it. Obviously, I don't know that we ever see him again at the full strength, 100 percent level that we've seen him in the past. Yeah, I mean that's going off of what we played last week with Jim Ursay audio on. Pat McAfee, where he said, well, he's trying hard. He's We'll see, and everything like that. And there's a bunch of, like, didn't sound very confident statements from Jim Irsay that he's working his way back. He's trying. He's had a couple back surgeries now. I mean, 
when Kevin asked, hey, what do you think that means? Do you mean think that's start of training camp optimism or what? I said, I think that's optimistic for week one of the NFL regular season. I don't think we're seeing him at training camp. I don't think we're seeing him at all in the preseason. I think from what I gather from Jim Irsay, that is a hopeful we'll see him at the start of week one of the regular season. I mean, the thing about Jim Irsay is, you know, he's pretty candid, right? Yeah. He's pretty transparent. Like, I think sometimes that we have – it's woven into us sometimes to be skeptical, I, kind of as people, but certainly as, like, radio hosts. And a lot of times – and I'll give Chris Ballard this much this credit as well. I think Chris Ballard's a guy that a lot of times we assume – He's speaking in tongue. And then after the fact, we're like, that's pretty much exactly what mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean. He's been pretty forthright. Yeah. Like, oh, those tea leaves are right there the whole yeah. time. Yeah. So hope I'm wrong. Hope Shaquille Leonard is able to go, but certainly something that we will watch. We've got more Colts talk as well because I want to throw a few things at you. Uh, Kevin and I got into an indispensable Colts heading into the 2023 season, and I want to give you my five later on in the show and get your thoughts on that as well. So. Plenty of Colts talk upcoming. Pacers put a bow on the summer league season. We'll talk to Dustin Apirak at 8 o'clock about all of that. Uh, an AFC South rival gets a legit number one wide receiver. Yeah, we we'll got to talk, talk about that. Talk about that in the morning check down. Plus, we've got WWE Fast Lane tickets and Indiana State Fair tickets all week long. So you want to be on listening for that when we give both of those away later on in the show. It's Kevin and Query on a Monday, hazy Monday morning. A Dreary-eyed Jay Query here along with Mark Dykton as well. Graham Shear on the ones and twos. Morning Checkdown coming your way on the other side of the break. You're listening to Kevin and Query, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. I'm The Fan. We'll begin in the sport of auto racing. Yesterday, Honda Indy Toronto on the streets of Exhibition Place north of the border. It is Denmark's Christian Lundgaard who got his first career win. Comes for Ray Hall Letterman Landing and Racing. He turns, he has a birthday a week from yesterday. Do you want to guess how old he turns, Mark Dykton? 28. 28. No, he'll be 22 years old. Jeez. So 21-year-old Christian Lundgaard, a first-time winner in the IndyCar Series. Alex Pillow was second, followed by Colton Herta, Scott Dixon, and Joseph Newgarden rounding out the top five. Most importantly, in terms of the points, uh, Alex Pillow is way ahead of everybody. Christian Lungard shaved his mustache after he won. Did, did you see that? Oh, yeah. Have you worn a mustache before? Have you rocked that at some Have point? Have I worn a mustache? Have you worn a mustache? Could you grow a mustache if given the opportunity? I, when I was a sophomore in high school and first learned that I had the capability of growing a mustache... I grew a mustache, and my dad came in one day with a razor and said, uh, that looks terrible. You're better than that. Here you go. And I've not grown one since. Kind of I, I had a beard once, uh huh, like 17 years ago. I grew a beard for like maybe three weeks. Hmm. Interesting. I think I could do the mustache, but my, my, my beard comes in very patchy, so I don't know if you really? can even call it a what beard. What color is it? It's black. Just wait. Yeah, it turns into pepper real quick. Oh, I, I believe it. Uh, also, turning to pepper the hairs of Cincinnati Reds fans after cool. a slow start here in the second half of the season after the All Star break. Reds losing yesterday to the Milwaukee Brewers four three. That is four straight losses for the Reds. They are fifty and forty four now, two games behind Milwaukee in the National League Central. Other winners yesterday in baseball include San Diego, uh, Philadelphia, I should say, over San Diego. 7-6. Mark your Diamondbacks losers to the mm-hmm. Raptor, or the Raptors. See, I'm a little tired. To the Blue Jays, 7-5. Uh, Cardinals doubled up Washington 8-4 yesterday. It was the Boston Red Sox 11-5 over your beloved uh-huh. Chicago Cubs. Uh-huh. Not great. 
not great. And and your cute fella, 5-4 winners over the Marlins, gives oh, them yeah. an eight-game winning streak. Off and running. Otherwise, else in baseball, the uh, the Indianapolis Indians, 11-4 winners over the Omaha Storm Chasers. And they are now off until Tuesday when they start a six-game road trip against the Iowa Cubs. By the way, the Omaha Storm Chasers might have yesterday found themselves in Loudon, New Hampshire. That's because storms there washed out NASCAR. That will take place today. So they will... Uh, be running today in New Hampshire for NASCAR. And lastly, did we mention basketball? We did not mention basketball. Pacers yeah. Summer League has come to an end. They lost 185 to the Detroit Pistons. Marcus Strasser, didn't he play at Houston? That sounds right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Summer mm-hmm. League record, uh, 40 points yesterday. Is that a, 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 I mean, I guess it's a record you... Summer League high in points this this summer league I would you say. want to have the record for like yeah i had the most points in the nba summer league sure why not i mean i agree but at the same time like especially if it's game three it's like well what are you doing playing in game three right that's okay nobody cares summer league stats i mean do they even count those they don't count for anything so just hang your hat on that hey i had 40 points in the summer league game which one wasn't i don't worry about it that's what i would say also one more one more note the uh, tennessee titans reportedly signing wide receiver deandre hopkins to a two-year deal so Interesting by the Titans, they ship off A.J. Brown, and now they land uh, DeAndre Hopkins. So kind of interesting that they sent off their number one wide receiver just to sign one right before training camp starts. So that, that'll be pretty interesting. There's That's a lot going on with the Colts, obviously, with their cornerback situation. So DeAndre Hopkins is going to be in the AFC South for the, at least the next two seasons, it looks like. Uh, by the way, I said Strasser's. It's Saucer, Marcus Saucer. Oh, okay. That's fine. Again, Summer League. Summer but league. again, I mean, a first-round pick, and he was a really good player, along with Walker at Houston, one mm-hmm. of the studs for Kelvin Sampson. Uh, speaking of that news in the AFC South, how does that change things for the Colts? I think it might be bigger than people imagine. We will get into exactly what change we're talking about and how it might affect things within the blue and white of the Indianapolis Colts. All that on the other side. It is Kevin and Query here. Kevin on vacation. Mark Dykman sitting in. Monday morning. Good morning to you. 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. It's Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Tennessee Titans in the AFC South might be adding a wrinkle for the Colts game plan in their preparations within the division but could it be at a position that historically and by precedent is good news for the Colts? I'll explain that coming up in just a moment. Before doing so, I, I did want to pass this along, and my thanks um, to one of the fine representatives of law enforcement in central Indiana that pointed this out to me this morning. I've been gone over the weekend, so uh, while I was aware of this, I wasn't probably grasping that it is today. But for those of you that are unaware, today at 11 o'clock in the morning, Gamebridge Fieldhouse will be used as the site for the services for the Marion County Sheriff that was fatally injured last week in the line of duty, uh, Marion County Sheriff Deputy John Durham, who was a 38-year veteran of the Marion County Sheriff's Department and, of course, was transporting Uh, an inmate from a medical check, I believe it was, when he was attacked and was killed. His funeral procession, for those that would like to pay respects along the procession route, will begin on Maryland Street from Pennsylvania. And then it goes uh, several different routes 
before ultimately going to Crown Hill Cemetery today. It will go from Maryland to Pennsylvania on Virginia Avenue from Maryland. Uh, Some of the routes include going over Sheriff Frank J. Anderson Bridge, which is fitting. I was uh, a great admirer and had a tremendous respect for not only Frank Anderson, but, you know, obviously Sheriff Forrestal now and for all of those who have worn that uniform to protect and serve the laws of central Indiana. So certainly for John Durham, who was committed towards law enforcement, whose sons are committed to law enforcement and comes from a family dedicated to Marion County, a county and a city that are indebted to him. And um, we simply ask that you are aware of that. And if you are in the downtown area beginning at 11 o'clock today, your chance to pay your respects to a fallen hero. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is, Mark, undoubtedly one of, if not the best receivers in the National Football League. And, of course, the Arizona Cardinals deciding to free themselves from that contract because it was a big one. Hopkins is, a, is an unbelievable talent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I... I watched him in college, obviously as a Clemson fan, and the one thing about Hopkins to me that that I that always jumped out at me in watching him in college was he made every impossible catch. I mean, if the ball was within the zip code of where he was, and he had to contort his body or turn a weird way or spin around, whatever it might be, he it was unbelievable the plays that he would make. Now. Oftentimes, the catches that he would, you know, he'd have one or two that are right in the numbers that he would drop, and you're like, what? But he's a great player, and he's been a great NFL player. Once he became a free agent, then I think that the question became, of course, where is he going to go? And, you know, I had somebody yesterday say to me, well, clearly he doesn't care about winning. He only cares about money. That's... I think it's so easy for fans to say that because we ourselves often think to ourselves, I I would be a guy that, that if I was in the league, I would be going to win. It's all about winning for me. I'm not worried about money. I've already made my money. I, but then again, in general society, you have people that literally will tell you that they're moving to the other side of the country when the kid's school year is finished and like why and like well i got a fifteen thousand dollar raise oh okay but like an nfl player suddenly goes somewhere where he gets 15 million dollars more and it's like well that guy's what a terrible decision but if you look at receivers that have gone to tennessee in the last 10 years or so many of them you thought it was the final piece and yet it was actually like the, the, for whatever reason, it just didn't go well for them. Mm-hmm. Randy Moss was a titan. Yeah, totally mailed it in. AJ Brown was a great player. For whatever reason, they just decided to move on from him. Right. Yeah. Um, that is an interesting situation because you could certainly make the case or the argument that DeAndre Hopkins is. Not a final piece for them offensively, but a major piece. They already have, as you know, I'm a huge fan of 
the style of play of Derrick Henry. And I know that we've talked on this show at nauseum, Mark, about the fact that the running back position is not the position that you rally behind and, and run behind to a Super Bowl in 2023. But when you have a player the level of Derrick Henry, you get leads, he can salt clock for you in a big way. The question now is going to become, because when they had A.J. Brown, they were the best team in the AFC South when they had a passing game mm-hmm. to go along with Derrick Henry. Henry's a little older, I realize that. And the quarterback position is one of major question. Oh, for sure. Without- but if if they get any sort of solidarity at the quarterback position, then it makes you wonder what they can do. Because of now they have an elite probably the most elite level receiver, right? One of, yeah. I would say I would say he's on the other side of thirty and his his numbers have kind of diminished a little bit. So it'll be curious to see how he handles being a he is the legit number one wide receiver on the Titans. You put him on there, he's the number one wide receiver. Otherwise they have Traylon Burks and Nick Westbrook Akeen uh, as their other wide receivers of note. DeAndre Hopkins is, your, is the Titans' number one wide receiver on day one. It'll be interesting to see who's throwing him the football, whether that's Ryan Tannehill, Malik Willis. Does Will Levis get some pull out there? I don't I, know. I think Levis is going to get a, a really hard look, right? Malik Willis is one. Yeah. That, there was talk that they may release him. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see who's throwing him the, the football. But I also don't think that him going to the Titans means he's not in it for winning. I think you look around at the AFC South and he's like, huh, Titans over here, Jaguars I, over here. It's a two-horse race. See, that's the thing. I, th- I, w- I would agree with you. The, the point that I made, he- here's the thing about the AFC South, Mark. I-, I don't know that it would be so much that you look at it and say, by going there, this makes Tennessee like the divisional front runner. I mean, that's I think it's going to be Jacksonville mm-hmm. in that regard. But I think the AFC South is probably seen by players as – the league the, the team the division within the league that has the the that allows for the greatest path to a postseason berth mm-hmm. most winnable division i would say that and probably just based on scheduling and the other teams within the division the chance to accumulate some wins to put yourself at the very least in wild card contention yeah you know the I don't think of I think of the Titans as like do you ever think of them as a bottomed out franchise? Do you ever no. think of them as like you know what I mean? No, and that's be mostly because of Mike Vrabel. I like Mike Vrabel a lot as a head coach. I think he gets the most out of his players and I mean we saw that a couple of years ago when or not even a couple of years ago it was last season where they had that Colts and Titans game and they did the sideline report and uh the Titans were winning and they had the CBS sideline reporter ask Mike Vrabel, like, how's it feel? He's like, oh, I'm pissed. We're, we're winning, but we're playing horribly. And then, obviously, the infamous line from Frank Reich where they are losing. He's like, well, I, I feel confident. We have Matt Ryan. Couldn't be two different sides of the coin. Uh, so the Titans were winning that game, and they were upset. And the Colts were losing. Oh, well, we got Matt Ryan. We're fine. And we all know how that game ended up. The, you know, the, the quarterbacking situation is a unique one there. Because if, you're, if you are Tennessee... I mean, Tannehill's still on the roster, but there's a lot of question there. Malik Willis is one that have they seen enough? I don't think so. There's how how could you? That's why I think you drafted Will Levis. Well, that's what I mean. Have you seen enough to determine no. that 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 he's not the guy that that you can't go there? 
No, I think Ryan Tannehill is again in the twilight of his career. So maybe they're like, all right, one last hurrah here, but we got to start finding the successor to him, whether that's Willis, whether that's Will Levis. They'll decide, I guess, but I think, throughout training camp. Uh, so I asked it kind of rhetorically. In my opinion, and I liked uh, – there were times where I watched Malik Willis a couple of times and I thought he looked pretty – I, I liked the way he looked, and then, but it was very limited. And then, as he's kind of one of those, as time went on, you realize, like, okay, the, the, maybe he was, maybe there's a reason he did slide in the draft. And to me, Willis, it, it appears to me evident that Tennessee has determined that that's not a guy that they can go with. A little undersized at six one. When he when he was when he played, they really dummied down their offense, and even with that, turnovers I think were an issue. Yeah. So then it becomes: Do you ride out Ryan Tannehill, who has played well for them, but it's been kind of like a how would I word it? Tannehill's played well for them, but he's he's kind of a system quarterback at this point and that system probably is handing off to Derrick Henry right but yeah. now you, you with Hopkins does that mean that you go you know what Let, let's we do need we've got a, a only a couple year window with a Hopkins Henry combo so we need a quarterback that for the right now not a groom guy and you know Levis is probably a guy that that is still one would assume, going to be a year or two away if he's even able to. I mean, Levis may be another Malik Willis. That wouldn't be great for the Titans if that's the case. That's why I could see Will Levis, if he has the arm strength that everybody thinks he has and he shows it in training camp, he could easily move up that depth chart and supplant Malik Willis as the number two behind Ryan Tannehill. If Ryan Tannehill looks like he's not getting the job done, I could totally see them pulling the trigger on Will Levis and let the guy with the big arm show it off against with DeAndre Hopkins and Derrick Henry. I could totally see that happening. Because I think, like you said, the, the Titans have a two-year window with DeAndre Hopkins. We don't really know what's going to happen with Derrick Henry. I feel like that's a, a, a year-by-year situation with him at this point. So see what you got in DeAndre Hopkins. Have Derrick Henry in the backfield and see what you got. You have a two-horse race between the Titans and the Jaguars. I don't think anyone's thinking that the Colts or the Texans are going to be competing for anything, at least this season. I, I don't know, though, Mark. The Colts' schedule is favorable. It I is, mean, but I, I, don't, I don't see that the Colts just have so many question marks. I mean, positions. they do. I, I'm, look, I don't think the Colts are going to win the division, but... I think hey, they're over-under is six and a half and any more than that. I mean, seven wins seems... While while it doesn't seem out of this question, out of the world of possibility, I just I can't. I don't see this as like a ten or nine or ten wins team at all. Yeah, I mean that's you're going in with a rookie quarterback. I have nothing from a personnel roster and, and et cetera standpoint. I'm not sitting here saying that the Colts wow me, but I have seen a number of years where. The Colts, when you least expect it, come out of nowhere and all of a sudden, based on the schedule, put together a respectable season and then, of course, get invited into the postseason and they end up hanging a, a banner that simply says, was it wild card? What was it? You 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 found the photo. Wild card finalist, I think. It, one was a, one was, uh, one no, was AFC, AFC finalist and the other one was... Uh, AFC wild card. 
So they made the wild card, but they didn't win the game. So that was, I so, think, the more curious one. So we were talking about this. And and you had mentioned on the show, and, and I, I had your back on this. I thought that there were one time that there was a banner that said AFC wild card participant. That was dismissed as urban legend. But then you unearthed a photo from when you had taken a tour of Lucas Oil Stadium where you could see the banners hanging. Yeah, we went in. like I was on like the catwalk and everything like that. And I remember just taking it around. Yeah, I've got it right here. Uh, they have one that says 2002 AFC wildcard. And then they have another one that said 2003 AFC finalist. Okay, AFC wildcard. That's a participant. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You were in the playoffs, but you didn't make it out of the wildcard round. So you played a game and you lost that game, but put the banner up. So they do have one up that says wildcard. They did as of however many years ago this was on my Facebook memories. I want to say like five or six years ago. So maybe they've taken it down since then, but it was pretty prominent in the uh, in the catwalk of Lucas Oil Stadium. Obviously for this year, I don't think that the postseason is, is what the, the Colts have their eye on. I mean, that would be gravy if, if everything fell their way. I don't think that Anthony Richardson is, a, is of Andrew Luck level immediate you know, Andrew Luck was pretty plug and play, ready to go. Richardson obviously is a much bigger time frame expectation, if you will, of when they think. You know, no one within the organization is expecting Anthony Richardson to be able to be plugged in and immediately be the guy. Right? That was anticipated. Of, I mean, Andrew Luck, in order to give him that opportunity. They jettisoned the most popular quarterback in franchise history and arguably the greatest to ever play the game. So that tells you how, what the expectation was of when Andrew Luck could go. There is not that expectation of when Anthony Richardson would go. However, the hope would be that Richardson's ceiling would be of equal statistical value of Andrew Luck in time. But I don't think anybody thinks it's going to be this year. Uh, Dustin Dopierak, did I say it? You did. I get it. You did it so far. Dustin Dapirak, Pacers reporter next. You're listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Okay, so just to recap for you, one hour already in the books this morning. My name is Jay Query. Mark Dykton, the other voice that you will hear this morning. Kevin Bowen is on vacation. He will be back next week with Colts Camp starting on Wednesday. Um, do I sound uh, froggy? No, you sound fine. Do I sound nasally? No. I don't sound any different? You don't sound any different? You don't look any different? <laughs> do I look tired? No. No more than you usually do when you walk in here. Bit of a traveling snafu coming back from the Honda Indy Toronto last night. Uh, landed, a little bit of a delay, and landed in Indianapolis about a little over five hours ago. So, um, as they say in Fast Times of Ridgemont High with Mr. Vargas, please have a heart, right? Yeah. Uh, joining, and this is the amazing thing, because I sometimes think that I do better radio on no sleep at all. My brain just seems to fire better. So, I'm actually going to make it two in a row here on saying this correctly. You ready? Mm, boy, drum roll, please. Dustin Dopirak. Nope. Dopirak. Yes. Dustin Dopirak. Joining well, us now so on, close. So close. on the Payless Liquors hotline. Uh, Dustin and I actually are now uh, seatmates at press conferences, sat next to each other. Yes. 
at a Pacer press conference. And Dustin, I again uh, will apologize on the pronunciation. But uh, let's begin with <laughs> this summer. Fine, What's that? You're doing fine, Jake. You're good, man. I'm trying. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> let's make it real quick off the top. I mean, a simple question. A summer league, what, if anything, did we learn? Uh, a little. I've, just, I've been trying to process that myself. Obviously, the first two games were very different from the last three. Um, you know, when they had Matherin and Emhart and Jackson available, they, they just seemed to have some level of uh, coherence and consistency. And after that, it was just kind of a bit of a mess, um, which I guess is to be expected, you know, when it's just – Rookies and free agents, and you know, uh, guys who you know, at least a handful of guys are not going to have any part of the the, the roster. So, um, you know, I think the the guys that came back looked pretty good. Uh, you know, uh, Master and Nemhard and Jackson all, all looked like they it had some level of development. I mean, Nemhard frankly looked too good to be there. Um, you know, Master looked like he was just, just going to go for forty every night. He took eighteen and a half shots a game. Uh, you know, obviously was, was reasonably productive. I thought Isaiah Jackson played. I thought really well. You saw some real, real good energy out of him. Um, and with those guys, when they had them together, I thought you saw some good moments for the rookies. I thought Jarius Walker had a really good, fir- you know, really good first two games. Uh, you know, was sort of just okay after that. It, and had some struggle shooting the ball. Um, after you know, again, Ben Shepard had some good moments, some bad moments. The two-way guys were just okay. Um, so, I mean, I thought it, when it was all together, it was all right. But then obviously, again, it's summer league. There's only so much you can take for this when you're really looking at probably five guys that are going to be on the roster when the season comes about. That kind of goes on to my next question. Uh, the offensive showing was not that great. Under 100 points, four out of five games. Do you chalk that up to just – summer league or, or what are your takeaways on that yeah i mean that's the biggest thing uh is, is it just summer league and these guys don't don't have it all together yet and you're looking at you know uh in, in some cases you've got guys who are doing some experimental stuff and, and playing around and everything um and again in some other cases you've got a lot of guys on the floor that are not going to be nba players uh you know when the season comes around and that's that's a, a big piece of it you're, you're just giving a lot of minutes to people that aren't Gonna score. I mean, again, I'm looking at these numbers. Uh, you know, there was times when Matherin was just like, "I'm gonna go get shots." You know, 18 and a half a game, shot 35 percent. I mean, he's better than that. You know, uh, you know, for one thing. I mean, he, he got to the line some, but I think he was just like, "Okay, like I've, someone's gonna go get the buckets, and that's someone's gonna be me." Um, and you know, uh, that's fine. You know, obviously he'll he'll fit more seamlessly uh, into the offensive flow, basically, especially when Halliburton's running the show. Uh, like I said, I, I thought Nemhart played really well. I mean. It was sort of odd that he had eight turnovers the first game, and Scott, Scotty Agnes and I were sitting in the media room afterwards. We were like, when, when did these happen? Like, I don't even remember seeing them. Um, and I haven't gone back over to see them. But other than that, I mean, he, he just seemed really in control the entire time. And I think really when Nemhard didn't play also, I mean, Nemhard really just kind of created some level of flow and, and, and organization of the offense. It just wasn't thereafter. I thought Isaiah Wong had some good minutes, but he didn't necessarily function like a point guard. I mean, you could tell he's a guy that, that's usually uh, more of a scoring attacking two. And you know, he, he, again, it just did this. There didn't seem to be just sort of consistent offensive flow around him. You saw Jarris Walker running a lot of point guard, and I thought he did fine for a big guy. I mean, I think he showed um, a lot of sort of the offensive creativity and and you know handle and everything like that. That. Um, you know, really stood out to them. But again, you know, when you're deciding that your power forward is going to operate as a point guard and, you know, he's brand new to the NBA, you're not necessarily going to get a, a, a coherent offense. Um, so, yeah, I, I, that was, I, I thought, a big piece to it. I mean, they played pretty well um, when, um, 
you know, Nemhart was around and organizing everything. But the other thing, they did not shoot it well from outside, really at all. Again, you, you look at you, I'm looking at these three point numbers. Nemhart was 22 percent. Matherin was 26 percent. Walker was 18 percent. You know, Isaiah Wong was the only one that hit a bunch at 40 percent, and he hit a lot of those last night in the fourth quarter. Uh, and Ben Shepard, I thought, was the only guy that was even reasonably consistent about shooting his threes. It was 38.7 percent, and those were at least spread out reasonably well across, uh, you know, the the week. Um, so that, that's another big piece too. Is guys just didn't shoot the ball well from outside. Dustin Dopirak is our guest. Yes, oh, ding the bell. You. Thank yes, you. on the Payless Series hotline. Um, I want to talk more about Ben Shepard, Dustin. Mm. You know, I think defensively might be a little bit better than what we realize when he was drafted. Mm. But is there con- concerns? Probably the wrong word because it's summer league, right? But but it feels like first round picks. You expect them to come out and immediately show versus the other rookies like you would be able to say like well that guy clearly is better than you know the other he really stands out did he do that at any point was there any point where Ben Shepard to you looked like the guy that was far more qualified to be there than the others on the floor yeah, I mean, I didn't feel that way. Uh, I, I mean, I thought he had some good moments. I thought he defended pretty well. Again, you know, I mean, he was, you know, like probably the most consistent shooter, but that's not speaking well to everybody else. I mean, it was a, it was a week when nobody really shot it well. I mean, you, you had some moments, and I thought he had a really good game, too. I'm trying to remember what he shot in that game. I want to say he had some, somewhere in the vicinity of 20 points I mean, and, and really finished well, uh, I thought, in that one. So, I mean, I guess – that that part stood out is probably the last quarter of game two, um, and that was also the last quarter that everybody was together. So you know that kind of stood out. I mean, I saw you know we had a kind of a tip dunk if I remember correctly. Um, you know, like it was was really rebounding well, attacking. You know, just did did a pretty good job defensively, but he was uneven. You know, I mean, I, I thought he didn't have a great first game. He was really quiet in that game. He had some other moments. We had some defensive breakdowns. I thought, um, you know, d- didn't didn't stand out next level. But I mean. He's a first-round pick, but he's not their only first-round pick. I mean, you know, Walker had more moments when he stood out, and you said, okay, well, I see why he's a lottery pick. You know, I, I get it. Um, you know, Shepard was obviously a late first-round guy. Now, on the flip side of that, Marcus Sasser was a late first-round guy, and he went off for 40 yesterday. Um, and so, you know, I certainly saw more out of him in that game than I saw in Shepard all week. Um, so, you know, I, yeah, I, I, again, saw some things, saw some things that have some value, but also I'm looking at that. Uh, you know, the two and three positions and they're, you know, almost a little bit too stacked. Uh, you know, it's going to be really difficult for guys to get uh, minutes at that space. You know, uh, if nobody else clears out, if they, they go into this as is, um, you know, you're looking at, you know, Mather and Heald and, you know, Brown and you've, you've got Nemhard in that mix and you've got Neesmith in that mix. Um, and, and then you're throwing Shepard kind of in after that. So it's going to be a sort of tight scenario. Uh, where you know he's not going to be asked to, hold, to do a whole lot, you know, in year one probably again if if they don't clear anybody out. Um, so, you know, like it's not. I guess to your point, it's not necessarily concerning uh, that he doesn't stand out that much. But you know, he, he had some good moments. He again, he did some decent things on defense. Uh, you know, had some moments when he shot it well. You know, saw the energy on the on the glass. Um, you know, three point eight rebounds per game. That's 
okay, but again, as a two guard, that's not terrible. You know, you'll take that again. Uh, you know, an offensive rebound per game, he's at least doing some crashing of the boards. You know, there's some positives there. It didn't again, didn't stand out, and you say, well, that's the guy. You know, like even when Walker was out, you weren't like, okay, Ben Shepard took over today. That didn't happen last night. Uh, you know, Isaiah Wong was the guy that was scoring more, and, and he wasn't necessarily great either. But um, so yeah, that that's like I guess the thing that I would say. There was never a point where you saw man Ben Shepard really took over there. Dustin, in your opinion, did anyone who might be a fringe roster player make their case to get added to the main roster? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, you know, so like I said, Isaiah Warren had some good minutes, and I think you look at him and say, well, you know, if you need him, he can do it. You know, uh, Oscar Shibway, I think. I mean, all three of the two ways had some good moments um, that you could say, all right, well, if you got to call him up, he can do it. You know, if, if you if you got to call him up, he'll be okay, um, and he'll be able to give you something. Um, but I'll, I'll break down each of those guys. When I thought, you know, Wong showed he can score the basketball. Um, you, you would have liked better sort of just overall point guard play from him. Um, you know, 2.6 assists to 2.2 turnovers. Um, you'd like better than that. Obviously, the thing is there. I mean, they're, they've got three point guards. You're looking at this and saying, okay, Nemhard's got to get some more minutes at the one. You know, what's that do to T.J. McConnell? Because um, you can't move T.J. McConnell to two. Nemhard, you can move off but you know you also want to start developing him so that he is your second point guard he is the guy that's your second unit guy going forward um and you know even yeah so so there's that or or, or you know is is there a time when you have to move them hard uh or something like that it, that's that's sort of an interesting call but I mean, he really played like a point guard and played like a really really good one um and he's one of the better defensive guys um so there's just there's not room or reason to move Wong up to play the point. You know, again, they're, they're kind of stacked at the two as well, so there's not necessarily a, an avenue that you see right now. But if somebody gets hurt and you need him, uh, he should be put the ball in the bucket. So there's there were some good things there. Played with some poise and confidence uh, and was really good, I think, about attacking, good at drawing contact, uh, average 3.8 free throws a game, so you're seeing him just go at the rim. I thought he did some good things yesterday with, uh, you know, knowing when he had defenders off balance to get some, some you know, easy free throws that way um but again just was one of the better shooters uh all, all weekend so that that was pretty decent i thought kendall brown you continue to see a, a lot of really good athleticism there um but they've really addressed the four which is where i think he fits more than any place else uh you know by adding top and by adding you know sort of walker in the draft you still have neesmith who can play there and jordan Nora. so i mean there's not necessarily a clear path for him but i thought he rebounded the ball well he, he ran the floor well certainly finished at the rim in transition you know you can see him being a good rim runner guy uh got up and blocked some shots too you know there's really good athleticism there so i think he, he's shown why he deserves to still be around uh she was was interesting you know certainly the, the rebound rate uh was there i mean when he was on the floor man i mean he was just grabbing boards uh average 6.8 rebounds a game when he was only playing 13 one minutes i mean that's a pretty crazy uh you know rebounding rate and you know made 68.4 of his shots he wasn't stepping out and doing anything it was just you know like either getting the ball right around the rim or just putting back offensive rebounds. Didn't try to be anybody he wasn't. But I think, you know, he's only on the floor for 13.1 minutes. I thought a lot of that is there's some slow-footedness there um, that, that I thought stood out to me that, you know, you can't really put him in pick-and-roll coverages because you can have a problem. You know, there's a good chance that he's going to get beat by those guys that are just a lot quicker than him on the perimeter. And so there's a little bit of a liability there. Again, you're looking at a skill that really translates – uh, in the rebounding, even though he's not super athletic, I mean, yeah, I, I, I never really watched him really up close at all the time he had at Kentucky. 
um, as, as good as he was. Like, wasn't I, I can't think of a time where I really said, I'm going to really watch Kentucky and see what Oscar Sheway does. But, like, you really see just the, the positioning is really good, and that's what stands out. And so there's a, you know, transferable skill there. But, like, there's not elite athleticism. You know, he's not jumping over guys. Um, and, again, he's not just, – just didn't – it just seemed like he just wasn't moving that fast to defend people. So I could see how you're not looking at him and saying, well, that's a guy that you can uh, bring up and place in five for you. If somebody gets hurt again, they're stacked at that position too. And you can't move him around. Like, I don't think you can play him at the four. Like, I don't think he's quick enough. Um, so, you know, th- that I think was something that stood out to me too, is that they, again, on the glass, when he was really, really dominant, it, it, it speaks to his uh, just, Knows for the ball and, and and really technique. I mean, Isaiah Jackson even said he was, you know, taking pointers from from Shibway, and and you saw that show up because Jackson had twelve and a half rebounds. You know, got got twenty five rebounds in two games. You know, four each night on the on the offensive glass, um, but. Again, you didn't see the athleticism, the quickness. I think it's going to need to be there. So I don't see a really quick pass to him to you know getting you know bounced up and playing some playing time there. Dustin, one of the things to me that's interesting about summer league, and we're going to have to go based on the the games in which Matherin, Nimhard, and Jackson were playing, right? Because those are the guys mm-hmm. that are probably going to get uh, you know goes without saying some significant minutes in, in the regular season. Was there anything in terms of the style that was utilized, the style of play, that because you would have to assume that they would be using or or going with some sort of style of play or rotation set that would be similar to what they're going to do in the regular season to give everybody that sort of a look, was there any wrinkle at all or anything in any way, shape, or form that made you raise an eyebrow like, oh, okay, well, maybe they are going to do something a little bit different or a tweak in terms of those three guys and and how they were utilized? I I guess – there wasn't necessarily anything that stood out to me stylistically um, in terms of how they operated. Just because, I mean, I, I think offensively, at least, they ran like an Andrew Nemhart offense. You know, in, in that he was very much in control um, and you know just doing a good job of, of finding guys and getting guys open and everything like that. And they played the sort of pace that they tend to play when they've got Nemhart on the floor. Like it's 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 quick, but it's not. Tyrese Halliburton, you're pushing it all the time quick. And again, when Halliburton's on the floor, it's, it's Halliburton's game. They're going to run. You know, they're going to really, really run when Tyrese is out there. So you, so you kind of know that. Um, but I, I, I guess just the best answer I could give to that is I was just impressed with how they defended, you know, uh, in those games. I mean, just, just how that looked. I mean, they, they had some lulls and whatnot, but like when the defense was good, it was really good. Like, you, you know, that I, I just saw some. Um, I guess benefit to the focus that there's been on that. Now, obviously, again, it's a different story uh, in terms of who's going to be playing and everything. And, and you know, uh, Nemhard's a better defender than Tyrese is if, on the ball. You know, his ability to kind of stop guys. You know, Halliburton's really smart when it comes to reading passing lanes and, and going and taking the ball because he's just got such a high basketball IQ. But as he would tell you, he, he got overpowered by you know really good ball handlers, really you know strong. Uh, you know, powerful guards, and that's going to be that's been a focus uh, of his offseason is getting in the gym, so he's not getting pushed around like that next year. Uh, you, you would hope to see some, um, you know, results of that uh, for Team USA when he plays the World Cup. But you know, Nembhard's steady up there, so you had a really you know strong, um, you know, on the ball defender. You know, really gave Anthony Black some problems in particular when they were playing Orlando. Um, so, I, but I was I was impressed by how they 
swarmed. I thought when you had Jackson and Walker together, man, like it was really tough to score on those guys, and they went and took the ball from people. And you know, Walker is really good on the perimeter as a defender too. I mean, that that really stood out to me. And so the things they were able to do on defense because they had a good defensive lineup, uh, and they were able to just really attack and wall off and and you know rim protect and ball hawk and everything. I mean, there was just a lot of things they were able to do well. Uh, you know, with that lineup against the guys they were playing. Again, I mean, they didn't play. I don't think. You know, Washington and Orlando had great summer league rosters, you know, to, to be honest. Um, but, you know, I, I thought they just did a really good job of, you know, swarming guys when they had to, keeping uh, guards in front of them. You know, and again, and a guy like Walker who could take the ball from somebody on the perimeter and swat the ball away when it got to the rim. Uh, you know, that, that kind of really stood out to me what they were able to do there. Dustin Tepiric, Indianapolis star beat reporter for the Pacers. Last one for me, Dustin. Any thoughts on the Pacers reportedly kicking the tires on Pascal Siakam and what that trade could look like? And do you have any interest in that? Yeah, I mean, we spent, uh, we, we wrote a story on that, um, you know, just sort of playing through the pros and the cons. I mean, I thought the the deal that I saw kicked around, you know, on Twitter was that it would be uh, Buddy, Buddy Heald, Andrew Nemhard, Jalen Smith, and uh, an unprotected first rounder. Next year, that's a lot. Um, the, the, obviously, the big issue is this: it's it's a question of whether or not you can re-sign him um, because you've got, you know, he's heading into the last year of his deal, and if you're throwing young guys in for a guy that you're only getting for one season, you know that part's tough because it's just like, all right, like you, you yeah, because they're not a year away, right? Right, no, they're not a year away. Um, again, there's he's going to be surrounded by so many young guys. Like it's it's not like well, you add Pascal Siakam and all of a sudden this team can win the East. You know, I mean, it's 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 at best a dark horse. You know, in in that case, I mean, they're gonna they would be a lot more competitive. You know, you, when when you consider a team that's led by Halliburton and Siakam, you can say, okay, well that that's a team that's further along. You know, that's again, Siakam's a legit legit player. That's an elite talent. And you know, I mean, if they're gonna be a team that's gonna um, you know have a chance to win the East, you know, that it's gonna be a real contender. Uh, you know, to 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 win the conference and and have a shot at the finals. You know, they're gonna need an elite talent, and you know, it's gonna be tougher to get it. Now, because you know, if, if they start winning and start getting into playoffs, and I think they're good enough to do that, um, you know, uh, they're not getting lottery picks anymore, and so you know, you have to find a way to add those to your roster. Or ben- Benedict Matherin has to stay, you know, become an elite All NBA level player, and you know that could happen. You know, it could certainly happen. I'm not not ruling that out at all. He could, be, he could certainly become that guy, uh, but he has to be. And you know, and and Jarris Walker has to be, you know, whether if not an All Star level, he's got to be a high quality starter uh, you know he, he's got to be as good as the power forwards they didn't get he's got to be in that you know Jeremy Grant level uh, of of power forward uh, that, that he's a guy that that you know you want to pay 30 million a year um, for them to be that type of team that can really be an Eastern Conference contender so you look at Siakam and say well that enhances everything really fast but if you can't keep them um, then all of a sudden, you know, you might lose some key pieces that you could really use down the road, uh, and you know, have have lost that capital if he walks. So that's I th- I, that's a, an issue that you got to be wary of. Apparently, Nemhard, you know, based on the reporting I've seen, is that Nemhard's the sticking point. They're like, yeah, we're not ready to get rid of that guy. And again, you see why. Uh, you know, he's just been really steady, but he's also not a guy that you can imagine scoring twenty a game. You know, I mean, he's he's been really solid as far as, far as scoring the ball, and he's had uh, some really good individual games. But you know, the consistency of you know that's going to be there every night um, isn't isn't necessarily there. He's been, he's a consistent player, but he's not necessarily a guy that's going to break out for you uh, every single game. Not every game is that 
that Golden State game. Um, so you know, like it's it, it's a, it's a tricky question, but you know the the thing is really you're asking before you make the deal. Um, you know, you're talking to his agent and said, "Do you think we can work something out?" And if the answer is no, then I, I don't think you do it. I, I never thought I would live in a world where a sticking point in acquiring Pascal Siakam would be Andrew Nimhard, but I'm here for it. I I agree with it. I I mean, I I just, I think he is an important, I think he, he is literally like the $20 bill you found washing your jeans where you're like, man, this is way, like, hadn't planned on this, but I think Mm -hmm. they like him a great deal. And that was before he even blossomed over the court. Like, they loved Andrew Nimhard after watching him in the preseason a year ago. So you add on to that what they saw out of him in the regular season and now what he's done in the summer league. Um, I think it would take a lot for a, a team to pry him away from Indiana because I think they they see his ceiling as very high. Dustin, appreciate it as always, and uh, look forward to talking to you as you know things unfold, uh, unfold with the finalization of the roster and then getting set for the regular season. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, guys. And I am so impressed with myself that I got that right twice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> Come on, man. You struggled a little bit on the one, but that's okay. You'll get there. It's your white whale. Is it? Okay. Oh, no. Dopirac. Yes. I don't know why I always want to say Dopirac. I don't know why either. Dopirac. Yes. Okay. You need to be like Bart Simpson, just write it on the board a million times. Phonetically, until you get it. I'm trying. You're getting there. I'm trying. Sleep deprived and all, you're getting there. I am sleep deprived, man. Like it's halfway there, buddy. Halfway there. Yeah. We've got a four pack of Indiana State Fair tickets. I think we should give those away next. But first, let's do a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. We have auto racing. We have tennis. We have baseball. We have basketball. You would like to begin with what, Mark Dyke? Oh, let's do baseball. The Reds stink at the moment as the second half of the baseball season gets harsh. underway. Well, four-game losing streak swept by the Milwaukee Brewers, 4-3. to three. They went 27 straight innings without a run. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, Ellie Dela Cruz, I'm sure you like, has the fastest ever recorded uh, baseball infield assist. I'm sure you and your sabermetrics, I'm sure you love that. How long have they been recording this statistic? I don't know. Every time I I see that kind of stuff, though, I laugh because it is absurd that they're tracking all this stuff and as if if the more minute stats are going to really get the youngins, you know, I got to watch now. This guy had the fastest infield assist of all time. In all honesty, and I know that we're doing the morning check down here, I would like for people to know if they agree or disagree with me on this, okay? I think most people have my cell phone number by now, right? So you can text me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make a statement. I want people to text me at 317-523-9288. That is my my cell phone number. 317-523-9288. And tell me if they agree with this statement. For a sport in baseball that is still trying to grip or get new audience or maintain older audience, the 
over analysis, not necessarily in the use of sabermetrics, but the overuse of the explanation and or citation of them turns fans off. I think people that enjoy baseball a little bit have the experience ruined by the constant analysis and use and citation of numbers, statistics, and formulas that they either don't understand or don't care about. Oh, you you had that tweet from last week about Ellie Dela Cruz basically being a bust because something was low and it was like my brain shut off because it seemed like I was like going through geometry. Just for again. example, the following tweet, okay? The following tweet about Ellie De La Cruz, who is, would you agree, probably the most exciting player in baseball of the last, like, of young players? He is as exciting as any that we've seen in the last 20 years, right? I would agree, yeah. And the tweet that was sent out, now I've got to try to find it here, um, about him, and, and I'm like, like, just basically, what is this, okay? Ellie De La Cruz is an exciting player, but he has a very big problem. His attack angle is second lowest in MLB. Only Ehosmer is lower. This is costing him a whopping 81 points of XWOBA con. So unfortunate because with his above average VBA, he could easily have top quartile contact quality. Yeah, that's nonsense. What in the hell does that mean? Nothing. That means absolutely nothing to 99.9% of anybody. I mean, it's absurd. Elsewhere, uh, the White Sox t- beat the Atlanta Braves 8-1. to White uh, Red Sox took 2 out of 3 against my Cubs 11-5. to Your cute fella, Orioles, 8-game winning streak as they topped the Marlins 5-4. to Root for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what? Like, I could sit here and tell you that the reason the Orioles won 5-4 is because they have the best – acute elimination angles on incoming throws from the outfield and assists from short or i could just tell you oh yeah they scored more runs than the other yeah, team right that works too uh indianapolis indians 11-4 winners over the omaha storm chasers uh yesterday in indycar christian lungard becomes a first time winner the driver for ray hall letterman landing and racing one week shy of his 22nd birthday picked up his first win in the series over alex Pillow. Colton Herta, Scott Dixon, and Joseph Newgarden, who rounded out the top five. In terms of NASCAR, they were scheduled to run in Loudoun, New Hampshire. Mother Nature had other plans. That race will be run this afternoon. And in the NBA Summer League, the Pacers lost 100-85 to to the Detroit Pistons. A bunch of guys that probably will never make the roster uh, in that game. That's okay. But ben Shepard had 15, I think it was, for Indiana. Marcus Sasser, the rookie, Sasser, Saucer, the rookie out of Houston, uh, Jarris Walker's teammate had, what, 55 points? Is that right? 40. <laughs> I know. You're close. I'm exaggerating. We've got a four-pack of Indiana State Fair tickets to give away Call next. Carlos Alcaraz, your Wimbledon men's champion. Oh, there you go. Four-pack of Indiana State Fair tickets to give away next. We're not just giving these away, though. you got to earn them. 317-239-1070 if you want to go to the Indiana State Fair. It's Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, Kevin and Query on a Monday morning. Jake Query is tired because he had a a Canadian flight that was delayed till the early hours of the morning. Actually, no, the Canadian flight wasn't. It was the Charlotte. So we went from Toronto to Charlotte. There was a Toronto to Indy flight originally. That remember I told you guys like in like March. Uh-huh. I'm like they just canceled the flight from Toronto to Indy the night of the IndyCar race, which is kind of weird, right? You'd think it was probably a full flight. You would think. So we went Toronto to Charlotte, 
the it was one of those deals where from the time we landed in Charlotte to the time you like changed to the gate that changed three times it just kept getting changed and changed and delayed and delayed and, and everybody's like this is not going to happen um Doug and Beth Bowles were on an earlier flight that had gotten canceled so now they were on our flight their son Carter today's his 21st birthday happy birthday to Carter um and my all kinds of my friend Stacey O'Donnell was coming in from somewhere else her flight from Charlotte was canceled she was on our flight now and then everybody's trying to get we're on the plane at like 12 30 in Charlotte and as people are trying to board the plane they come over the speaker and they're like uh there's weather moving in and they tell us if we don't get off the ground in the next 12 minutes that we're not leaving at all so let's try to speed this mm-hmm. up and now all hell breaks loose yeah people are yelling at people to get their bags and i'm like sit down <laughs> let's just go I, I literally was like there's no way this is happening and we eventually um got up in the air we landed right about 2 a.m so i pulled into the drive at about 2 30 yippee i can see a nap is in your uh, in your future here but switching topics we have indiana state fair tickets to give away all week long we've got a four pack of tickets we've also got wwe fast lane tickets to give away which that's coming up on october 7th we'll give those away later in the show but for now the four pack of tickets to the indiana state fair and you're going to actually have to earn these we're not just giving these away to the first caller i've got a question and i'm going to pose this to our our call that whoever we take and if they don't get it correct, stay on the line, and we'll just keep going down the line until someone answers it correctly. Does that sound good to you? Sure. Okay, then. All right. I'm going to be very accommodating this morning. Sound, I, I, now is the time to be asking More you More of everything. you. Yes. Let's go. <laughs> yes. All right. So first caller on the line, Graham, who do we have? We have Logan on the line. All right. Logan, good morning. How you doing? Good morning. How's it going, guys? Doing well. Have you been I've- to the Indiana State Fair before? Of course, been to the state fair. What is, what is your favorite? Go. What is your favorite treat to get at the fair? Um, can't go wrong with some uh, deep fried Oreos, um, elephant ear, all the, all the deep fried stuff. Yeah. Logan, you've called the program before, right? I have not. Oh, First really? Time. Now, have you ever eaten yep. at Logan Steakhouse? I have not. <laughs> Never. They they close the they close the one at uh, in Greenwood. Oh, it's like Logan's been, Roadhouse. I think it's what it's called. Now, no, Logan, are you, I think this, the only other one is in Plainfield right now. This is your first time calling the program. Is that right, Logan? Yep. Can we play a little, a, a quick version to get to know your listener? We've had a lot of success with this. People, kids in particular seem to love it. Can we play this with you real quick? Let's do it. All right. Um, first off, Logan, if you don't mind me asking, how old a fella are you? I am 29. 29-year-old Logan. Okay, so you graduated yep. from high school uh, somewhere around 20, what, 12, somewhere in there? 2013, yeah. 2013, okay, and that would be the class of 2013 from what school? Uh, the Owls. The Owls, boy, who's the Owls? Southern that, Indiana. Oh wait a minute, is that um? I was thinking, Hills Conference. I was thinking of Edinburgh, but the, oh wait, well, hold on, I know this, I know this, I know. This. Is Seymour? There you go, bingo. Okay. Uh, and and you are or you're not a John Mellencamp fan? Uh, yep, I would have to say I am. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a requirement, right? Uh, and then lastly, right. Logan, if you don't mind me asking, and this this can become a bit of an awkward question, uh, what do you like or not like about this radio program? Oh, I, I listen to this radio program every single morning. <laughs> I love everything about it. You guys uh, educate and entertain. That's my <laughs> there you go, yes. Hell yeah. Yes. Logan, yes. 
Well, All he right. just won the tickets as far as I'm concerned, well, I Mark. Know. Go ahead with go ahead with your little All game, right, Logan, Mark. This this is to earn the four pack of tickets to the Indiana State Fair. All right, you ready? Again, list, if people are on the line, if he doesn't get this right, hang in there. You'll get your chance too. So, Logan, this is for yours, you to win. Here we go. This '90s band who has hits like "Hey Jealousy," "Found Out About You," "Follow You Down," "Until I Hear It From You" is playing the free stage at the Indiana State Fair on August 11th. Who is it? Oh, I was curious about uh, the age if this is going to be an issue. Yeah. Um. Oh. Okay. How about this? How about how about this? You ready, Logan? Yep. This band has two names. The first is one of the favorite beverages of Snoop Dogg, and the second is what happens <laughs> to flowers. Blossoms. Uh, Jen Blossom. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Logan. Hell yeah, Logan. Indiana State Fair. That's what I'm talking about. Hang okay. on the line, and Graham will get your information. You get a four-pack of tickets to the Indiana State Fair. There you go. Perfect. So Thanks, guys. We're doing that all week long, Indiana State Fair tickets. You'll have to earn these, though. Again, we're not just giving these away. So there's there's one question. So we had to give him a little, a little hint, but he nailed it. Logan seems like a good dude, right? Yeah. I mean, I can get all the deep-fried Oreos and elephant ears he wants. Do we have a list of who's playing at the free stage at the State Fair this year? We do. Give me a second, and I will pull that up. Because uh, I will tell you, a couple years ago, we went to the State Fair. We go every year to the State Fair. We park in the infield, and I get out, and I'm like, wow, like that, this sounds like Melissa Etheridge. Okay. And Melissa Etheridge was playing the free stage at the State Fair, and I'm not like some huge Melissa Etheridge fan. Yeah, I know the, the the main hits, but we went over. We just walked over there, and she was playing. And I'll tell you what, we ended up standing for like an hour. It was great. She was great, great mm-hmm. performer. Sounded exactly like the records. You ready for the list? I got it right here. Okay. All right, July twenty eighth, Clint Black. I believe he's a country star. He he's starting that off. July 29th, Samantha Fish featuring Jesse Dayton. Uh, July 30th, Peppa Pig Live, Peppa's Big Adventure at 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. July 30th, Home Free. August 2nd, Keith Sweat. That's pretty interesting. August 3rd, Retro Night, 90s Night featuring DJ Kurt Strubble. Okay. August 4th, Sticks. August 5th, Quiet Riot. August 6th, Toby Mac. August 9th, Three Dog Night. August 11th, Gin Blossoms. August 12th, Taylor Swift, Night the Taylor Party. She's not actually going to be there, but it'll be... (laughs) Can you imagine? It'll be a bunch of other people who are pretending to be Taylor Swift. Can you imagine if Taylor Swift is playing the free stage? Oh my God, that would be chaos. August 13th, Skillet. August 16th, Happy Together Tour featuring the Turtles. Little Anthony, Gary Puckett, and the Union Gap, the Vogues, the Classic Four, and the Cowsills. August 17th, Latino Fest. Uh, August 18th, Buddy Guy. August 19th, Breland. And August 20th, Gospel Music featuring CeCe Winnis, presented by... No, CeCe Winnis. Winnis. I said that right. Okay. There you go. What was your first concert, Mark? First concert ever was, uh, I, I was originally going to see Corn first, and then I won free tickets on the alternative radio station in Chicago to go see Saliva, Audio Vents, Theory of a Dead Man, and I forget who the other band was, but it was at House of Blues. So that was my very first concert ever, and that was like early 2000s, which that lineup indicates How that's early 2000s. How did you win the tickets? I think I called in. Did you call in? The host I don't know if I called in or I was hint? trying to request a song. Like, hey, you want to go to the Saliva concert at House of Blues? I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? 
So my dad had to drop us off because I didn't have my license at the time. <laughs> I'll go get some work done at the office while you guys are rocking out. All right, thanks, Dad. We'll see you later. Concerts at Market Square Arena were so awesome, man. Like, you know, back in the day, but, but you know, there was a time in Indianapolis, I think people forget this, and it is fabulous now. I love it because the lawn is a great venue. Ruoff is still – Ruoff is like Victory Field in the fact that, like, it looks like it did the day it opened. I mean, it's amazing. Um, and the lawn is beautiful. Rock the Ruins is great. There are a lot of great places to see live music in the area. There's now that Brown County um, – whatever it is down there i forget what the name of the venue is down there i know what but, you're talking about yeah. a ton of stuff in nashville um and so you know there was a time where to see a concert in indianapolis meant you were going to market square and you went down to market square arena and you parked on one of the the two sides of it and you walked in and you went up those ramps that were wide enough for like two people and then you went into the concert itself and then the, the by you wondered who was burning rope because something smelled weird, and then the lights came on afterwards, and it looked like it does outside right now. Burning like, rope. So what is that strange smell? And then the lights would come on, and there was literally a haze, just a cloud hanging over Market Square Arena. Uh-huh. And in Market Square, the seats were like an orange carpeted like material. So I can only imagine what those things... Those things must have... Like, if you had one today... If you're one of those people that bought one at auction or whatever, that thing's got to smell like a combination of like Kent cigarettes and stale Schlitz, you know, just, mm-hmm. and then of course that you had the brown curtain that they would bring out the, to make sure that nobody could tell that there were only 4,000 people at the Pacer game to see the 22 and 60, 82 Pacers. Tarping it off. See whether or not Jose Slaughter is going to crack the starting rotation this year. Telling you, man, those were the days. No, sounds like an interesting time. That's First for concert sure. I went to, Lionel Richie with the opener of Tina Turner. What's uh, why am I smelling so much rope around here? Who's <laughs> burning the rope? Good lord! So yeah, Indiana State Fair tickets all week long. Four packet tickets for that. Again, WWE Fastlane, the premium live event coming to Gainbridge Fieldhouse on October seventh. Uh, we'll have tickets for that to give away later in the show. Jake, also coming up, I want to pose a question to you. Jake, uh, I was a I was honored to be asked to help Kevin out on his Kevin's Corner podcast uh, last week with Eddie Garrison out. And we posed the question of the five most ind- indispensable Colts of 2023. He and I both came up with a list. I will give you mine coming up. I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. I so, give you my list here. No, no, no. You don't have to do anything. I, I know you're blurry-eyed. I'm just going to throw. do I'm a th- anything. <laughs> this is the story of my life. I don't have to do anything. I'm going to throw, throw my five out, and you can either agree or disagree, and we can go back and forth okay. on it, but we can have that conversation coming up shortly. But it is Kevin and Query on a Monday morning. You're listening to 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. You're listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. By the way, Mark, here's something for you to look forward to I had totally forgotten about. Uh-huh. Before we get into your five indispensable Colts, uh-huh. I'll just simply do this as a tease. What is one of the most fun things that we do each and every time I come back from Canada? Uh, well, I would say that was overnight where we're not sure if you're going to actually make it here. That'd be number <laughs> umero, numero uno. And the number two is you usually have some uh, treats from over the border. I brought some snacks and uh, sweets and snacks and things. Okay, then. I've got them for you here. We okay. can do that in a little bit. Sure. Uh, I'm going to guess. So you did Kevin's podcast, right? Uh huh. All last week. Yep. 
and you talked about who you believe are the five most indispensable Colts, correct? Correct. So he said, I, heading into the 2023 season, who are the most indispensable Colts on the roster? And he said, take it however you like, run with it, and then we kind of went back and forth okay. on our five, and that's how we did so it. So I'm going to give you, do you want my five, or do you want me to, who I think, well, I'll just say, I mean, it should be that we have the same five, right? I'm going to name some players. You tell me if they made your list. Okay. Bernard Ryman. Yes. Okay. Um, Michael Pittman Jr. No. Made Kevin's list. Did not make mine. Okay. Um, he would have been like a top six. If I would have done top six, he would have made it. Zaire Franklin. Yes. EJ Speed. No. Didn't make either of our lists. Okay. Um, boy, any of their... I mean, the, the problem is there aren't many of them. Any of their experienced back defensive backfield players. I can kind of take your pick, right? Uh, Kenny Moore did make my list, yes. I made Kevin's list, too, actually. We both have it at number three. There's a little spoiler. I'm trying to think then of who. So is Kenny Moore the only DB that you had on the list? He's by the that, only. I mean by position, not by character. <laughs> he's the only. He's the only defensive back I had on my list. Yes, Zaire. I had. I had two defensive players. Zaire Franklin was one, and Kenny Moore was the second. Because I see, it's hard to say. Like Julian Blackman, uh, it's hard to say because he's never healthy. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that that's a position that they're going to need. Some reinforcement, I think, at the safety position. And the way we also uh, broke this. So, list- what numbers of so, what numbers do you have left of your five? Uh, f- the ones that n- by names that you haven't said yet. No, uh, total, the ones the, the ones uh, of the five players that you picked. Mm-hmm. I have accurately predicted that you said Bernard Ryman. Yeah, he was he, number three on your list, right? He was number. Well, he's number two on my okay. list. Okay, I accurately predicted Zaire Franklin. He was number what on your five. list? Five. So I am missing number one, three, and four. No, you said three because you asked about the defensive back. I said Kenny Moore. Oh, that's so right. You're okay, missing. Okay. You're missing four and one. Um, on the offensive side, what's that? Your hint is that they're all, both on the offensive side. Are you going to say Jonathan Taylor? I'm going to say Jonathan Taylor. He and he he was on Kevin's list as well, despite being a running back. Uh, Jonathan I, Taylor, you take him off that offense, and what does that offense look like? Well, I, I don't disagree that when you are trying to mold a young quarterback, having that weapon is probably nice. Um, that you know, it's interesting. I think that Jonathan Taylor probably has higher, and this is what I've said all along about Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor probably has higher value to the Colts than he does market value. That's that's I completely accurate. I would say. And if you are looking to trade a guy, that's not necessarily the best scenario. No. I'm not saying they're looking to trade him, but uh, so was he your number one? He was not. He was my number four. Okay. So your number one, it's an offensive player? It's an offensive player. Kevin did not have this guy on his list at all, which I thought was actually pretty shocking. Are you going to say Quentin Nelson? No. I was going to say. Um, your number one. Mm-hmm. Gardner Minshew. No. 
I only say Gardner Minshew because I think such a key piece of developing and building. Gardner Minshew might be my number one. Now, that's not to say that they need him on the field. So it's, it's kind of two ways that you look at it. When you said take the question any way you'd like, what player on the roster has the most importance this year? I think it may be Gardner Minshew. See, I took it as... Because Gardner Minshew's role... Without Gardner Minshew, you are throwing Anthony Richards into the wolves, whether he's ready or not, and that can absolutely destroy a young quarterback. See, I took it as if you take this guy off of the roster, what does that do for the depth behind it? What does that do for the confidence of the team and all that stuff? That's why Anthony Richardson was my number one most indispensable cult because despite being a rookie, there are a lot of hopes and dreams on the fan base hoping that this guy is the guy. They've gone through the ringer as far as Colts quarterbacks have been. But I don't know. I get what you're saying. And to your point, it's however you want to take it. My only counter to that, Mark, would be Anthony Richardson probably is not an indispensable piece for success or failure this season. But I would say if you don't have an answer of what he can do in 2023 and you go into 2024 with an unknown commodity again, at quarterback, that could be an issue as again, well. Again, no, no argument there. But what you're talking about is his indispensability moving beyond 2023. You're trying to find out whether or not he truly is your number one. But uh, uh, do you think the fan base, if we get, like, so let's say, let's say, knock on wood, that Anthony Richardson gets hurt in week three and he's out for a significant amount of time. If you have Gardner Minshew under center the majority of the season, not only are you, the fan base not going to be juiced, you're kind of going into Matt Ryan 2.0 territory where the season's well, kind of Well, but nobody lost. would expect if Gardner Minshew is starting. I don't think anybody's thinking like, like when when Peyton Manning got hurt and they signed Kerry Collins and people were like here we go carry on like we're gonna be fine and then Kerry Collins came out and it was like weekend at Bernie's and they're like this guy's this it was this guy's terrible so I don't think anybody's expecting that I think if Gardner Minshew becomes a starter people are like okay well this guy is basically there to keep the seat to keep the seat warm and not completely humiliate him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I get what you mean. I think Gardner Minshew's value to the team, though, and a a big part of why he's here has nothing to do with what he is going to do, statistically speaking, between the lines this year. No, it's because he was in Shane Steichen's offense in Philadelphia last season, which is why it makes a perfect. It was a perfect signing because he, he can he knows the system. He can help Richardson get familiar with it and all that stuff. I just think that if you go into 20, I don't care if Anthony Richardson throws 20 interceptions, gets sacked a career high amount or something like that. You need to have some sort of assumption of what you're getting in him going forward in 2024 whether that's he can throw whether it's he can run whether you can see if he has a good connection with michael Pittman jr how that all works i that's why that's why he's my number one on indispensable list because you have to see what you have in this guy you spent the fourth overall pick in him you've been kicking the tires on the quarterback position for years and years now you need to get some sort of resolution there and i think the fan base is starving for an answer at quarterback that's why he's my number one speaking of starving close oh. your eyes close your eyes okay can you can you hear oh that sounds like mints <laughs> amongst many oh my goodness i've got a whole bag here buddy and of course it's in a roots bag of all things <laughs> of course but you know what i landed in toronto and i, I was taking the train to the hotel on friday and the train station is the mall where Roots is. And I'm like, I, I got to the hotel. Everybody's like, where have you been? What took so long? I'm like, well, I was at Roots for like two hours. 
Goodness gracious. Canadian candy for you to sample here, Mark. I got a whole slew of it. I don't know that we'll be able to get to all of it today, including this one here. I don't know if we've had this before. The Big Turk. <laughs> Boy, you want to mispronounce that one. Did we... <laughs> Did we try? Have we tried this one before? No. Okay. Well, we'll try. It's better than the zero bar, it's, though. It says it's 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 a two to share. Graham, you can try some of this too. The Big Turk. We got all kinds of fun <laughs> Man, stuff to do. You really need to emphasize that K. Uh, pop quiz is already done. Even though Scotty Johnson took the day off, we'll get that for you in about thirty minutes as well. It is Kevin Aquari here, ninety three five one zero seven five. The fan. You are listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Now, let me give this little glimpse behind the curtain here. Good morning to you on a Monday, by the way. 9 o'clock hour underway. Uh, last night, well, early this morning, technically speaking, when we were in the Charlotte airport, um, we're all standing there waiting, waiting. And like I said, I had run into a childhood friend of mine, Stacey O'Donnell. And she was – and she – was on a rerouted flight and so her luggage was already like on its way to you know wherever so she had no luggage she had only her carry-on and she's like oh my gosh it's freezing in this airport and i didn't i had a sweatshirt and i said well you know what i've got hang on and in my backpack i carry two like kind of windbreaker type indycar jackets for when because you never know what the conditions are going to be when we're out on the racetrack so i gave one to she and her friend, I had two jackets. I'm like, here, you guys just take these, and when we get back home, I'll just get it back from you. No, no worries. No big deal, right? Mm-hmm. Except for that now we're in the studio, and I've got my backpack right here, um, and I haven't gotten the jackets back yet, yet from Stacy. Why would I at this point? But yeah, it's 38 degrees in the studio this morning. Well, you spent like $1,000 at Roots, right? So you probably have something in there. No. <laughs> Just spend it all on mints that you rolled over here the stu- during did, the break. Here's I, some mints. I Heads spent, up. I bought. Oh, okay. I actually bought a coat at Roots. Oh, um, but I brought back for you, as always, Mark, in the fun and games. And and there's no way that we can get through all these. So I'll let you pick, Graham. You can uh, let me let me read for you the description, and then you select for me which one you'd like to try out here. As we do our always famous and wildly popular Canadian candy taste test. Uh-huh. For those that have never been north of the border, not only do they have ketchup. Uh, potato chips which carter bowls on his 21st birthday last night i said here here's some ketchup potato chips and he said well that I, there's no way i'll like those and doug bowls is standing there and i said no doug you should try them and he goes no that's <laughs> that's okay ketchup potatoes i don't think so and then i went to go give my jacket to stacy and came back and doug bowls has a mouthful of ketchup potato chips oh. I was like those things are legit <laughs> i'm like yeah i told you okay i've got the o henry level up Pretzels, caramel, peanut butter, peanuts, and chocolatey coating. That's the O. Henry level up for the folks here to see on the YouTube. Uh, I've got the Nestle Big R Turk, Turkish Please. Delight. Natural flavors and no artificial colors. That's all it says on that. I have no idea what, what makes up the Big Turk. Clarify, it's Turk with a hard K. <laughs> that, that is correct. I feel like we need to say that over Next, the Next, we have the Kit Kat Gold Ore. Uh, Gold or what? Blanc caramelise. Uh, it's car- a caramelized white Kit Kat. Oh. Okay, we have that one here. And then lastly, the <laughs> the wildly popular original dark toffee peanut chew known as Eat More. Oh. Well, that could be a more generic <laughs> so, wrapper. So, so it comes with instructions, right? Yeah. Eat more. <laughs> That's it. Uh, which one would you boys like to try this morning? Well, I'd be a fool not to try the Big Turk. 
<laughs> Graham, are I'll you are you kick. down with the big Turk? No, I don't think so. I'll try the Kit Kat one. Well, I, you don't get to choose here, pal. We're we're doing <laughs> we're, we're live, pal. So you want the Kit Kat? Look, he wants the whole Kit Kat bar. Mm-hmm. Well, we're doing the big Turk first, apparently. So the big Turk, and then mark the way we do this for the folks at home that are going to be trapped. I need you to to go ahead and just take that, and then let me know what you're oh, tasting here. Well, I mean, this looks like. What I, what it, what it could be pronounced like is what it looks like. I'll show you on the that does not look appetizing. Now hold on, Graham. I'll get you half of this big Turk here. And this is what now? Gonna, what is in this? You're gonna get the smaller Turk. Uh, this is naturalized flavors and no artificial colors. Boy, that's Turkish, a description. Turkish <laughs> delight. It does look like the baby Ruth in the pool for sure. What is this jelly in the middle? <laughs> this is like a chocolate covered jelly. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> What on earth is this? <laughs> Did we do these last year? No. Hold on. <laughs> this is not appetizing. I can see why the description is a bit lacking. Because you say chocolate covered jelly. No. And not terrible. getting moved on the shelves at all. <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> it's a. If you know what the, the candy. um, What's the one candy called? Oh, not chiclets. There's the red, the yellow, the green, and the the orange. Mike and Ike. No, the the what are they called? Somebody help me out here. They're like jelly candies. There's a red one, a yellow one, a green one, and a orange one in the pack. And they're jelly with a little sugar on top. Uh-huh. This is like the cherry flavor of that with chocolate over it, and it's awful. This hey. tastes like chocolate covered Swedish fish. That's a good way of saying yeah. it. And if you're not a fan of Swedish fish, you just pour in chocolate on it. It does not help. Yeah, this is uh, this is almost like what it should what it should be pronounced as. Trade the D for a K. That's what this is. Well, we'll try to wash it down later with some. I think we've gotten enough out of that segment, right? Oh boy, yeah. I'm gonna set that one down. I'm gonna save that one for later. I think maybe see if the girls want it when I get home. Hey, you guys want to try this big Turk? Anyway. Chuckles, thank you. Chuckles candies. It's Chuckles. like the red I've never heard Chuckles. of that before. Swedish fish is a good description. Yeah, Swedish fish. Chocolate covered Swedish fish is what that tastes like. Um, so y- did you watch the Wimbledon final yesterday? I didn't wa- I did not. No, I, did. I, d- I didn't set aside five hours I mean, to watch it. Did you watch the whole thing, Graham? Yeah. Did you really? I watched the entire thing. Are you a tennis fan by nature? Yeah. So who were you rooting for? I was rooting for Alcaraz, but that's because I I've been a F- Roger Federer fan, so I don't like Novak Djokovic. Now, and I don't know this, so pardon my my ignorance here. Um, is that just because they're rivals, or is Djokovic, is there something about his personality that you don't like? Or is it just because Federer and Djokovic are, you know, it's like... Yeah, the rivalry. Right. But I also really don't like him as a person. Like, he doesn't get along with the crowd. Like, he, he's just a... He's just a, he's just a weird guy that is seems mean, you know? Okay. I, Federer, to me... Uh, the Tarantino look is interesting to me. He looks a lot like him. Um, He's just so likable, though. I, see, I think Nadal's really likable. Him, too. And that's why I think people get on Djokovic, because he's the only one out of the three. Does Djokovic come off as overly robotic to people? Maybe a little bit. I, I think, if to go back a little bit, I think Yvonne Lindell was like that. I think part of it is just, like, there is... 
you know, it's interesting. Yvonne Lindell, uh, you know, when during the height, kind of the height of the Cold War and that kind of thing, I mean, you know, being Czechoslovakian and it was thought that he was like this stern, like robotic guy. And I don't think that's the case at all. I mean, I don't know, but he was a heck of a player, though. I mean, he was he was great fun to watch for sure. Um, the the we were at the racetrack and Wimbledon was on in between the sessions that we had, so I saw some of it on the screens. And I will say, Graham, you correct me if I'm wrong, but it looked like it was. Um, like a pretty back and forth and exciting match, right? I mean, four, oh yeah, third, third longest in Wimbledon final history, right? Yeah, no, it was, it was not a lot of matches go five sets. And what's funny is the those two players, Alcaraz and Djokovic, are number one and two in the world. They played a month ago at the French Open in Paris, which is another one of the four majors like Wimbledon, and um, it was tied at a set apiece. So it was you know setting up to be a good match, and then Alcaraz cramped up because it was like you know 85 90 degrees in Paris in the middle of June and so he cramped up and he had to uh, I don't think he could finish the match and Djokovic ended up winning the French Open so so how old is Alcaraz he's 21 but he just turned 21 on May 5th so I mean he's gonna be so he's younger than I am but I mean, he has the potential here of being. You know, this could be the the floodgates right. just open, yeah. right? If he stays healthy, yeah, well, that's a big, a big thing. aspect of it, right? I, I'm telling you, I just think tennis is amazing. I, I I don't know. You know, when we make so much of, and maybe they do in tennis. I I, I don't know, Graham. You you can tell me if I'm wrong here. I we were talking earlier about in baseball the sabermetrics of baseball and and bat speed, launch angle. Th- throw out speed, whatever it might be. I, I know obviously you have serve speed in tennis, but do they analyze like the the angle velocity of serves and that kind of thing? I mean, probably not as heavily as they do in baseball. But yeah, they, they I mean they look at the, those kind of things. They also look at, you know, where the ball goes in the court because if it goes on the outer third of the court, then it's less likely to be returned than if it goes in the middle of the court because that's where the player's standing. So they, always, they look at that percentage a lot. Is there a chess match? So did you play tennis? Uh, I did not in high school, but I, I play it for fun. So is there a, a strategy? I've always wondered this. When when you get into the situation where players are volleying, is there a strategy of when the, when one of them finally decides to go ahead and, and shoot the other off of the pattern? Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I don't really think that there's a, a method to that madness. It's just kind of... Like Djokovic is a very good example of this because he's one of the best at returning. He's really good at defending those those balls that it goes in the corner that are tough to get. He's really good at defending those. And so basically he can kind of just do that whenever he wants. But Alcaraz is the same way. So it was tough for Djokovic yesterday because he's not used to playing somebody that can return balls that normal people can't. Right. So it was a it was a good match to watch because they're both probably the two best movers in the game around the court. I mean, I saw a lot of guys a, a lot of when I looked up there were a lot of times where one of the two of them was like getting up off the grass or like on all fours yeah. like in despair. Well, they I left mean, the roof the roof open overnight so there was a bunch of dew on the grass and so people were slipping all all over the place. More confidence you can return a Novak Djokovic serve or hit an Araldus Chapman fastball? Well, did, let me ask you this. Are we talking making contact or it has to be in play? Making contact. 
just making contact. Mm-hmm. Even foul it off. Does or, that mean you can bunt? No, come on. Let's actually swing for the fences here. I, I don't know, man. That's a good question, actually. Um, I, I, I think I would go with... Okay, this is going to sound absurd. I think I would go with returning the serve be, only because I, I think, quite frankly... The Araldus Chapman fastball, because of the the Araldus Chapman fastball, would have an intimidation level. Because if it hits you, you're seriously getting mm-hmm. hurt. Not seriously, but I mean, you know, you could break your hand, break yeah. a wrist. I don't know that a tennis ball is going to do that to you. So I don't know that you would be as you would be as physically imposed by the tennis serve. And so, therefore, you might be your reaction may be more natural. I think hitting, but the actual likelihood or percentage chance for either is probably pretty slim. I mean, in baseball, at least you know pretty much the area where it's going to be coming, right? Uh Uh-huh. But I'm telling you, like I did a batting cage once that was set at 90, and the second that you saw the arm raising of the batting cage, it was past you. It was unbelievable. I mean, like it was like, oh my God, like I have no idea how guys do that. I would ask Cosmo Kramer about getting hit by tennis balls, by the way. He's <laughs> been in that field before. That's right. Curious right. your thoughts on the top five most indispensable Colts. You seem to be a little disagreeing on the Anthony Richardson list. But I'm I curious. disagree on Jonathan Taylor also. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, because I, I feel like you take him off, you have Zach Moss and all that. But, I mean, your your running game obviously takes a major hit, I would say. And then you know, that's even more pressure on the passing game. If, they, if the Colts were in win-now mode, I would agree with you. But they're not. They're in see what your quarterback can do mode. And I know that Jonathan Taylor relieves a lot of that pressure, and I get that. But I I think we have seen in the NFL that by committee can be at this point as good as, you know, 1,500 yard back. Um, I would say I would put Zaire Franklin on there for sure. Yeah, I, I put him on there because I said he gets elevated because of the unknown status of Shaq Leonard. Which is why I would put EJ Speed on my list as well. I would have both of them on there. I just think that Zaire Franklin is the more superior linebacker of those two. Well, I don't disagree, he, but I think that if Shaquille Leonard's out, you got to have both of them. Yeah, because, I mean, depth behind at middle linebacker is um, not great. You know, I think that, I, again, for the reasons that I explained, I would put Gardner Minshew on my list. I, I agree on Bernard Ryman. I mean, that, that kind of goes without saying. They need him not only to be there, but to be there to well, be sound, because, right? I mean, if, if quarterback is the most important position in sports, the guy who's protecting that quarterback's blind side has got to be up there, too, because what they did last season heading into the season with Matt Pryor as left tackle, that was like roster malpractice, yeah, I mean, basically. And who, the fact I that mean, they hopefully they hopefully can get Bernard Ryman to, be, to show that he can handle the load of being the left tackle and, and – you know, take the reins on that one because if he's not the answer at left tackle, ee boy. I mean, Blake Freeland, Carter O'Donnell, they're gonna have to go to that well. Okay, then. how about this? Who's their backup center? Their backup center is uh, currently. Let me find it real quick. Wesley French. That's right. So obviously, if he and Will Fries hit it off, you got French fries. <laughs> that 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 picture didn't go uh, viral enough last year. I right? know. I know. 
Bernard Ryman, like I said, left tackle. That's why he's he's my number two. Also on there, Jonathan Taylor, Kenny Moore. See, I a think- big factor for Kenny Moore is because the Isaiah Rogers Rogers release and suspension has just completely put a giant dent in their cornerback depth chart. And Kenny Moore, despite having what was arguably the worst season for a Colts player last year, that puts even more onus on him returning to form. Because not only is he in a contract year, but the Colts have to have to hope that he's the guy that can answer the bell for the cornerback position. Because behind him is like Dallas Flowers, Nick Cross, Juju Brents. One Lots area, of unknowns. One area where I disagree with you is I do think that Michael Pittman Jr. is really important. He would be, like I said, he would be my, if we did a top six, he would have been number six. He He's there. But I just also think I haven't seen enough from him well, to say he's a number one but, wide but receiver. And if you being, take him off. But Mark. It's not about what the – I mean, the reality is I don't care if Michael Pittman Jr. is 70% of everybody else's leading receiver. The bottom line is he's the leading receiver for the Colts, and you're going back to the big – Why did I take a bite of this? (laughs) I was just here and I took a bite and immediately regretted it. Wait a minute. So the big Turk for you, it's it, it's just kind of like Jamaican patties. Like you take the first bite, you're like, yeah, okay. And then before you know it, you're craving it and you keep going back to it. I've never had Jamaican patty, but hopefully it doesn't taste anything like this. <laughs> well, you, you just dove right in, though. I took like, a bite. I was like, he's no. talking, I'll take a bite. And I, wait, well, I do that for him. <laughs> no, you took a big bite of the big Turk there. You couldn't resist it. It's just sitting there. God, this is a horrible decision. <laughs> You like Graham? Do you want this? Should you just go ahead and break into the gold one Kit Kat? Graham, I, I can do, tell. Do I want to? If it's yes. as half as good as this one. <laughs> um, oh. Michael Pittman Jr. To me is he might be number one because they've got to do something at that. The Kit Kat's being opened here. Um, at that position. I do think Alec Pierce is going to take a step forward, but when you are any time that you are trying to get, whether it be Gardner Minshew just holding on to the reins or Anthony Richardson learning how to be a quarterback, he's going to have to have a veteran receiver. You know, people mm-hmm. forget Peyton Manning's rookie year. They bring in Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck's rookie year. Andrew Luck's rookie year, I think people forget how good Reggie Wayne was that year. And because Reggie Wayne was kind of thought to be like, well, he's the one guy that just contractually they're going to keep him around. And it turned out, you know, he was he had a great year. He was a great player. Peyton Manning's rookie year, Marvin Harrison gets hurt. And Torrance Small, instead of going with E.G. E. Green and Jerome Payton, Green could never stay healthy. Payton was, you know, it takes a while for receivers to get going. So they have Torrance Small there, and that becomes Peyton's kind of safety blanket. Mm-hmm. Quarterbacks need a veteran receiver that knows what they're doing to help them get acclimated. Luck had it in Reggie Wayne. Manning had it in Torrance Small and Marvin before that, before he got hurt. Um, and if if Richardson's going to be the guy this year, Pittman Jr. has to be a safety blanket for him, period. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like Michael Pittman Jr. I mean, Here, I don't know Graham, if he's... Take one of these bars <laughs> oh of the Kit Kat. Okay. It cannot one. be worse than what I've got. <laughs> But Michael Pittman Jr. ninety nine catches ninety nine catches, but didn't crack a thousand yards. His long I I need to see him more like but that's still top end the- speed. His his longest reception was like twenty eight yards, which is way down there as far as number one wide receivers is concerned. So I need more top end speed. Some you know make the defense sweat a little bit because the Colts didn't really have much of a deep threat last year, and maybe that's what Josh Downs is going to be. Maybe that's what Alec Pierce can be. I didn't see it from Michael Pittman last year, and that's why he didn't make my top five. Your I thoughts, need to see more. Graham? 
Um, this is all right. <laughs> we over two in the candy the department. This is better than the other one. I will say that this doesn't look anything. It's a lot like of the caramel, though. I'm not. It's the caramel white chocolate Kit Kat. It's got kind of a Ugh. woody taste or something. Yeah, got a weird aftertaste to it. It's a step up from the last one, though. That's not saying much. <laughs> they, they do candy differently uh, in Canada. The Here's the thing, Mark. You can say Pittman Jr.'s not fast enough, he's not big enough, whatever it might be. That's fine. He's faster and bigger than anybody else they have. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know... If your pantry only consists of two cans of chicken noodle soup and you're sick, then that chicken noodle soup is the most important two cans in your pantry, regardless of how good or bad the chicken noodle soup is, because it's the only ones you have. In Michael Pittman Jr.'s case, I, I do think Alec Pierce is probably going to be a really good player for them, but he's still young. And Pittman is a big guy. He's a big target. You're trying to get a quarterback comfortable. You need a big target. And if he's not there, I think it real. I, I think Pittman Jr. I think Jonathan Taylor's a wonderful player. I think he's a great player. And a great, I mean, seemingly a great young man. I, I don't know him, but seemingly a really good guy. Mm-hmm. Says all the right things. Correct. But you take Jonathan Taylor off of the roster and Anthony Richardson still is able to learn some offensive sets and, and get things going because he still has some semblance of a running game behind him that defenses have to maybe not pay as much attention to, but, y- you know, you take Michael Pittman away, and unless Alec Pierce becomes out of this world, who's he throwing to? Yeah, maybe Josh Downs. I don't, like I said, I don't disagree with Josh you. You would just be outside my top five. And he's also playing for a contract because, I mean, he's going to be looking for – 18 to 20 million dollars a year that's the going rate for number one wide receivers this in this current nfl landscape so michael pittman jr needs a big 2023 season jonathan taylor needs a big 2023 season he wants to make some money too as well so it's a very interesting contract situation for both guys i just and again this is this is my list i just think he's outside of it just a little bit just because they have a little more depth at running or wide receiver than they do at running back so um if you take Jonathan Taylor off the team, you have Zach Moss, Deion, Jack- Deion Jackson, and Evan Hull. Whereas you take Michael Pittman off, you have Alec Pierce, you have Josh Downs, you have Ashton Doolin, Bernard Perryman, a bunch of other guys. I mean, I don't know. I, I, just, I just think that Michael Pittman Jr. still needs to show me some stuff, and that's why he's outside of my top five. But you can make a great case why he should be in the top five. I, I, can, I can't argue with it. Uh, this from Racer X on Twitter. Uh, Jake, what does candy have to do with sports? I thought this was a sports talk radio show, not a candy talk radio show. Wish the higher-ups would tell you to stay on topic or get rid of you because this is why you're a joke. Oh, well, that's not very nice. <laughs> I'm hoping that Racer X's four followers don't see that. It might hurt <laughs> us. Sounds like he needs some of this Turk to cheer him up. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. The big Turk, right? So that's where we stand. That's my top five right there. Kevin had uh, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman Jr., Kenny Moore, DeForest Buckner, Braden Smith as his number one most indispensable. Yeah, Braden Smith's a good one, too. I mean, anybody, any line depth at all, right, is important to them. Yeah, because given how the offensive line performed last season, the Colts need that unit to turn around big time for this year, and especially with Anthony Richardson, who's going to be rolling out a little more than Matt Ryan and Phillip Rivers did. If he's going to be on the move outside the pocket, they really need that offensive line to 
ship up or ship out. Uh, pop quiz coming up. No candy questions, we promise. It is nope. a sports show. But, but we do have WWE tickets to give away, though. So if you want to go to the WWE show, uh, line them up. Two, three, when nine, is that? 70. That is October 7th. It's Saturday at Gainbridge Fieldhouse. It's one of their premium live events, also known as a pay-per-view. That'll be on Peacock, but it's coming to Indianapolis October 7th. Are you going? 7th. I have not secured tickets yet, uh, but I believe I will be going, yes. And you are such a guy that the tickets that you are going to secure, you're giving away, right? Oh, you know it. Uh, before we get to the pop quiz and the tickets, time for a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Uh, we'll begin with this, just for Racer X or whoever that was. Uh, Big Turk, uh, inferior to the Kit Kat yes. so far. And wait, if you thought that was fun, wait till tomorrow when we get into the O. Henry level up and the the eat more. Well, again, we've gotten off to a rough start with the candy selection so far. So um, has to be a step up tomorrow. Yesterday, IndyCar, Honda, Indy Toronto, Christian Lungard, a first-time winner. He holds off Alex Pillow, Colton Herta, Joseph Newgarden, uh, excuse me, Scott Dixon and Joseph Newgarden. Lungard, a first-time winner. He's a young driver from Denmark, turns 22 coming up this Sunday and drives the high v machine. And up next, it is... The doubleheader of races in Iowa, sponsored by Hy-Vee. So that is good news for Christian Lungard's team. There you go. Baseball, rough start for the second half for the Cincinnati Red Legs. Four-game losing streak swept by the Milwaukee Brewers. Losers 4-3 to three yesterday. White Sox took it to the Atlanta Braves 8-1. to one. Phillies over the Padres 7-6 in 12 innings. Uh, Royals surprisingly topped the Tampa Bay Rays 8-4. Red Sox took two out of three from my Cubs, 11-5 there. Cardinals double up the Nationals, 8-4. And then the Rangers over the Guardians, 6-5. On the minor league circuit, the Indianapolis Indians beat the Omaha Storm Chases, 11-4. Indians off today. They'll start a six-game road trip against the Iowa Cubs on Tuesday. Uh, Hey, Jake, this on text. Candy talk is better than the Colts talk. It's July, man, right? Yeah. Colts next year, next week. Uh, By the way, NASCAR running today after being rained out in Loudoun over the weekend and in NBA Summer League Pacers. Did you already mention that? 185 losers to the Detroit I I did not, but I will also note that uh, DeAndre Hopkins, free agent wide receiver, reportedly signing a two-year deal with the Colts AFC South rival, the Tennessee Titans. Did they say the terms of the deal? I believe it was like $12 million a year. I could be wrong on that. I'm trying to find it real quick, but I I thought I saw the $12 million a year. 31 years old, so a little older. Uh, Pretty interesting to see him go to the Tennessee Titans, but hey, division is winnable, I would say. You saw what they were able to do when they had A.J. Brown, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. But then again, they also had younger quarterbacks then, so we shall see. Phone lines filling up for the pop quiz. I'm sure it's because they want to hear these awesome five questions. It has nothing to do with the WWE Fastlane tickets at all. I came up with these on the airplane at 2.30 in the morning. I, I did I did substitute one. Like I said, I feel like if we're giving away That's WWE cool. tickets, we should have a WWE-centric question. What time did I send you the email? Oh, that was at 1.46 in the morning. I was <laughs> in like that, hour three of Is that really sleep. what time it was? That's what it says on the timestamp here. Yeah. You're in Charlotte getting ready to board. And they're like, come on, Gertrude, sit down. We got 12 minutes to get out of here. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, pop quiz up next. WWE Fast Lane tickets up for grabs 239-1070. It's Kevin Query, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Have you studied? 
Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. Graham just announced that he's still got some of the Big Turk left, Mark. I've got three links of mine left, or whatever you want to describe those knots in the candy. I don't know if I'll be finishing that off here, but we'll be finishing off this show relatively soon. Before we do that, we've got a pair of tickets to the WWE Fast Lane Premium Live event coming to Gainbridge Fieldhouse Saturday, October 7th. Again, tickets all week long we're giving away for that. We'll do that during the pop quiz all weekend, and... uh, Numbers one through five. We got loaded phone lines, Jake, for this pop quiz. Got you any got, number that you got sticks three out. links of your big Turk left, so we'll go with number three. All right, Graham. Who do we got on line three? Number three is James. James, James. what's up? Hey, how's it going, guys? What's up, man? James, you've called the program before, right? Uh, yeah. James, how would you critique the candy chat? We got some. I got chastised by Racer X saying that that's why I'm a hack. Your thoughts? <laughs> No, I think you're you're spot on. You are fine. <laughs> James, are you a WWE fan? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, were you planning to go to the show regardless if you win tickets or not, or or are the, this is going to make no. or break whether you go? This is going to make or break whether. Oh, okay, then. It's one of those situations. Okay. Well, as long as you as long as you're serviceable here, James. How old a fella a are you? I am forty two. Forty two year old James. Okay, and uh, James. Uh, of the non, excuse me, of the, I think we could still safely say in this country there are three major sports, MLB, NFL, and the NBA. Obviously, I know that soccer is very popular, um, and then you have the individual sports. Uh, what is your favorite non-big three sport? Non-big three sport. I'd have to say WWE. Really? Okay. <laughs> All right. Who's That's your favorite cool. wrestler? My favorite wrestler is Junkyard Dog. Oh man, you're going way back. Okay, <laughs> I know, I know. I'm I'm old, but now, you know. <laughs> um, or Doink the Clown. J- James, you know that that stuff. A lot of that's it, it's not real. Easy right? there. Calm down over there. <laughs> Settle down. You just, just broke my heart. <laughs> Take it easy. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, okay, here we go, James. Would you like for me? That would be Jake, or for Mark to lead you off with question number one. Uh, let's go with Mark. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to go with the WWE question first to lead it off to see how big of a fan you really are, James. Uh, we're giving away fast lane tickets, so here's the WWE question. Who is the current United States champion? Is it Damian Priest, Austin Theory, Kevin Owens, or Matt Riddle? Austin Theory. Good start. Okay. Question number two. Uh, Carlos Alcaraz is your Wimbledon Gentleman's Champion. That's what they call the men's tournament, the gentleman's champion. Uh, Only one other man not named Djokovic, Federer, or Nadal has won since 2003. Is that tennis player Andy Murray, Goran uh, Goran Ivanisevic, Leighton Hewitt, or Pete Sampras? Ivanisevic. Okay. All right. Brewers took back the lead in the NL Central. What franchise relocated to be the Milwaukee Brewers? Is it A, the San Francisco Seals, B, the Washington Senators, C, the Seattle Pilots, or D, the St. Louis Browns? That's a Scotty question if I ever saw one. <laughs> I want to go with B. B, the Washington Senators, he says. All right. Okay. Yeah. Question number three for you, James. Christian Lungard won his first IndyCar race on Sunday, the second driver this season to get his first career win. Who was the other? Marcus Erickson, Kyle Kirkwood, Connor Daly, or Renus VK? 
Is it Arenas VK? Okay, let's find out. All right, last one, James. Who drafted Trace Jackson Davis in the NBA draft? Oh. <laughs> uh, I don't, um, the Orlando Magic. I'm not okay. a basketball guy. All right. No worries. Well, you know you're WWE at least, so that that's about it. So th- was he correct on that one? He was correct on that one. So go ahead. <laughs> Uh, James, hang on the line. We'll get your information. Pair of tickets coming your way for WWE Fastlane. But yes, he was correct. The current United States champion in WWE is, in fact, Austin Theory. The only other Wimbledon gentleman's champion since 2003 not named Djokovic, Federer, or Nadal is Andy Murray, who I believe has two wins. Uh, The Brewers, by the way, were the... Now, in this form, the Washington Senators became... Do you know, Mark? I believe they've become two different franchises. The Montreal Expos? No. The Washington Senators became the Texas Rangers. They also, the Washington Senators originally became the Minnesota Twins. The St. Louis Browns became the Baltimore Orioles. The Seattle Pilots became the Milwaukee Brewers. They only played, Seattle Pilots were only in existence for a year before moving to Milwaukee. I was saying, until that question, I'd never heard of the Seattle Pilots before. Uh, The last four drivers in IndyCar to get their first career win, all four got their first win on a street course. Most recently, yesterday, Christian Lugard in Toronto. Before that, it was Kyle Kirkwood this season in Long Beach. And uh, who drafted Trace Jackson Davis? Not the Orlando Magic, the Golden State Warriors. So, uh, James, again, stay on the line. You get the pair of tickets. James will t- uh, Graham will take your information, but thanks for playing again. WWE Fast Lane tickets all week long on the pop quiz. Uh, when we come back, a little bit more about the Pacers and their summer league. What can we take from it, if anything? We'll explain next. It's Kevin Aquari on a Monday, 93.5-1075 The Fan. You're listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. From inside the Arctic, DriveHubler.com studios. Is the AC broken? Have we figured out? No, I just think there's no, there's no, uh, you know, it's either hot or it's cold. Well, you're sitting no over there by it. I'm okay. I've warmed up because of this big Turk right here. <laughs> Got my blood pressure elevated. Um, NBA Summer League is complete now for the Pacers and... I guess my question would be this for you, Mark. Was there anybody, I'm not saying a specific name. I think I was kind of thinking that there would be somebody that would emerge where you'd say, wow, it's going to be, this this person is going to make them have to do some serious thinking about some things. And I don't know necessarily that that was the case. It kind of feels, does it not, like everything just went status quo. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I was expecting anything out of summer league that we didn't get i mean it's kind of like okay offense is kind of ho-hum and not really any answers there i I was curious to see how much run that benedict matherin and andrew nemhard and all them were going to get and i think we got our answer there and then the rest of us kind of like okay what's jairus walker look like what's ben Shepard look like isaiah wong put up some numbers and this that but it was nothing where i was like huh i thought wong looked pretty impressive but again the thing you have to realize is that for the most part you're they're doing it against guys that are going to be playing in Europe, right? right? Yeah, nothing gave me pause. I'm like, oh, this guy could crack the top 15 of their you know roster or anything like that. Is one of those guys you could see him coming up from you know the uh, mad ants or whatever whenever somebody goes down with injury. But I didn't see anybody that's going to make any difficult decisions for Rick Carlisle and company. I don't think uh, this text I just got. By the way, we were talking earlier about baseball, and I was saying that not in general. I mean. 
I guess I probably should have been more clear in what I was saying. When I was talking about like the the sabermetrics of baseball, and now like the you know I saw like Ellie De La Cruz had an out yesterday, and they're like that's the the fastest put out in terms of fastest like this. infield assist in history. Yeah, they started keeping that stat in 2015. Yeah, okay, uh, you know in history or in the last eight years for a game that's been played for 130, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that some of the stuff now, I mean, a guy comes to the plate and it's just there, you know, everything is analyzed about. And I, I could see why people might find it somewhat interesting. But I think that, like, we're almost becoming too reliant on determining the success value of a player with stats that are just totally out there. And more often than not, the thing to me that's interesting is more often than not, the sabermetric advanced statistical stuff, as soon as you start to figure out what it means, then you're told that that one's not relevant anymore. Well, nobody really goes with that anymore. Now, instead of instead of quarterback rating, it's QBR or it's this or that. You know, I mean, there's all these – it's always changing. There are, the, the goalposts are constantly moving. But I was saying that I think that for people that want to enjoy baseball – and I do enjoy baseball, but I think that that's – there's all like some of the the super advanced nonstop statistical stuff wears some people out. That's the best way of saying. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, without question, I got this text. It made me laugh the way it ended. Jake, I completely agree with your statement about baseball stats. Batting average is easy to understand, but now on the stat sheet they they show slugging percentage and OPS. So I have to figure out the average of two other stats to see if it's any good or not. I still watch baseball, but the baseball nerds have gone too far. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh. No, it's, like- it's, I mean, I'm looking at, like, there's a whole website of baseball glossary, ground out to air out ratio. No idea what that is. And then we, we scroll a little more and it. Uh, plate appearances per strikeout, late inning pressure situation. Like, who's tracking this stuff? I mean, I get that. Like, weighted always, runs above average. The one that I get a kick out of is like the whip, the wins, or the, like wins above average loss or something. Like that. It's like what value of the, what's VORP? The value over replacement player. BQR bequeath runners. What? That's inherited. Let me get the right? Merriam-Webster dictionary out first. Well, and that, then would I'll mean, figure that would out the mean statistic. runners. You why not just say inherited runners? Or runners that you left for somebody else. I guess it would be that. If you're Pythagorean a pitcher, winning percentage. Wait, no, hold on. Well, that's A squared plus B squared equals C oh, squared. Everybody right in my that. alley then. Of now, math. let me ask you this. The, the bequeathed runners, is that a pitching stat? It says advanced player stats. The number of base runners a pitcher leaves on base yeah. when they are replaced by another pitcher. That's right. No, it's the number. Uh, bequeathed would be the number that you leave to somebody. What about the, the ultimate zone rating, UZR? A slightly different measurement than DRS. The UZ, what is DRS? The UZR is a measurement of how many runs a defensive player saves. Okay. How do you know that? And, and furthermore, here's the thing. Okay. How many runs a defensive player saves for you? Well, you could have some guy that's like his UZR is 17. Well, you know why? Because he plays for the wor- behind the worst pitching staff in Major League Baseball. I, you know what? What is the UZR for a guy that's got Greg Maddox as his pitcher? Satchel Page is my pitcher. My user. I haven't had a UZR all year. Why? Because nobody's hit the ball into the field. 
the late inning pressure situation, also known as lips, uh, when a batter has an at-bat in the seventh inning or later, and one of the following scenarios is true. The batter's team is losing by three or four, or three or fewer runs. The batter's team is tied. The batter's team is leading by one run. The bases are loaded, and the batter's team is losing by four runs. What? <laughs> I'm so basically you. any scenario that's not five or more. <laughs> I'm telling you. What an absurd thing. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I mean, it is ridiculous. I, I think it, here's the thing. I, you know, I, I get why, you know, we've all seen like Moneyball, right? I mean, I, I guess there's a place for it. But I just feel like teams that are that are put together by computers are – teams that are destined to there was a game jeff sagarin who came up with the he was the first one to come up with the sagarin ratings obviously and of course that's now outdated right it's like no no no, uh, you got to go with yeah. the you know whatever but there he had a game and i loved it there was a computer game that jeff sagarin came up with called hoops okay and hoops was a game literally on an old this was the old like war games black screen green type computer of the late 80s early 90s my buddy scott mcconnell had one and it had all the teams in division one college basketball from the i think it was the 89 season and so it had the tendencies of each player and you could you would play games and it wasn't a video game you would just type in your rosters or or, i mean type you you would type in your starters Uh and you know what player you wanted in you could make substitutions and it would just print out for you on the screen, what was happening? Three point shot by Jay Edwards, good. Indiana three nothing. You know Tony Jones turnover, mm-hmm. Joe Hillman layup. Indiana five nothing over Purdue. You know whatever. But the players that, that that you had were researched, where it would show like you could put in Cree Smith and he was a good shooter, but he would fatigue early because he didn't play a lot of minutes. So like he would have he would start turning the ball over and it would start flashing to say that that player's tired. And they got to come out of the game. And it was really fascinating and it was a lot of fun. But it was a computer telling me what would really happen. And I would set it up where Indiana had a walk-on in 1989 named Mike Delosio, who was a transfer from San Francisco. I don't even know if I'm saying his last name correctly. But he was a good outside shooter. And I would set up the game on hoops where I would like rotate I would put like the 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 ball at like 60% in his hands whatever else and he would have like you know he was like Jeff Fryer from Loyola Marymount he'd have like 42 points in a game Mm -hmm. because it was going off of what the computer was saying were the tendencies of the players well that's in no way shape or form is that realistic He's dropping 42 a night. Yeah. I mean but there's nothing so in other words like the computer is telling me something but the game hoops was a was like a fantasy game, a non-reality game that was allowing a computer to determine an outcome. And and I think that that there are people now with advanced statistics in sports that are allowing that to start to determine in their mind the outcome. Like I think people are convincing themselves, well this guy can't win because his vorp isn't high enough. Or this guy shouldn't be playing in the majors because his bat velocity in the barometric pressure of Denver is not what it would be in San Diego, so he can't sign with the Rockies. And then there are other times where like, you know what, just play the game. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? His true earned run average isn't exactly what it should be, which also that that is a version of 
earned run average ERA. It also takes into account the type of ball a batter hits: ground ball, fly ball, line drive, pop up. Okay, like you're you're st- you're statting the hell out of a sport where it's like I I don't understand what any of this means. Then you're gonna scare off the casual fan because you're gonna throw them all these statistics. Like I don't know what's his exit velo. I don't know who cared before 2021. Yeah, Nobody. I, that's what I mean. I mean, how how did we determine that that? Let me ask you this. Who's the greatest baseball player of all time? Who's widely regarded as the the greatest baseball player of all time? I mean, I would say Willie Mays. Correct. I think almost anybody would tell you that. Mm-hmm. He's the greatest five-tool player of all time. How do we know that? We didn't know his bat velocity. We didn't know his bat angle. We didn't know his the, the speed of his throw in from the outfield. So how do we know he's the greatest player of all time? Yeah. I don't know because my eye told me that yeah, because he showed I, us yeah right because he showed us that's exactly right. Who's the greatest home run hitter of all time? I, I mean, okay, is it Barry Bonds? Yes. The most Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron. But we weren't calculating velocity and and speed off the bat and all that because we didn't have to. We saw right. it right. Mm-hmm. The guys Barry Bonds is hitting him over the Bay Bridge. Yeah. And now you're making, yeah, now you're like, oh, actually, the statistic shows that Barry Bonds was actually the 15th best player, you know, to hit home runs or whatever it is. But it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, now you're going to scare off casual fans because, like, I don't I don't understand what I'm watching. Like, my eyes tell me one thing, but yet these statistics, like the Ellie Dela Cruz one, tells me, oh, he's actually going to be out of the league in, like, 18 months. Yeah. According to what that guy says. Yeah. It's getting a little ridiculous and all that stuff, but... That's baseball for you for a team for a sport that's trying to chase the uh, younger fans and all that stuff. I'm gonna just go out on a limb and say those statistics are not going to capture their imagination. I, I think, think the thing that hurts baseball is I just don't know what their marketing strategy is. Well, the problem is it's so re- it, it's the most regional of the of the four main sports in the United States. Is that if you're not really a fan of the Chicago White Sox. Are you going out of your way if you live in Omaha, Nebraska, to watch the Chicago White right. Sox? Probably not. If your team's on national, if your team's on Sunday Night Baseball, are you watching the Yankees Red Sox? If you're not one of those two fan bases, probably not. You might be, but you probably aren't. Whereas if it's a Texans and Jaguars Thursday Night game on Amazon Prime Video, you're probably watching. Well, part that of game. that too, Mark. Is it's also the gambling aspect and all well, that stuff. Well, and part of it also is there are 162 games. Yeah, I mean, in the NFL, where the NFL is king is they, for the first 90 years of its existence, or 90% of its existence, the NFL was like, we play on Sundays and one game on Monday. Mm-hmm. I think the NFL really started to hurt itself when it started to do Thursday night football and Saturday night football and Sunday night. Eventually, I think people, there was a, a period, I know a lot of people want to talk about other factors that went into it, but I think there was an NFL fatigue in this country, partially just based on the the overall ubiquitous nature of it. And so I think that people pushed away a little bit and now they're kind of back. But I think that was a factor for certain. It just was everywhere. You couldn't turn around without seeing an NFL game, you know. Um, What baseball franchise would you say has the highest regional audience? To me, there's it's a regional audience. Yeah. I would say New York Yankees, probably. See, I think they have a national audience. Yeah. But I think you know most most New Yorkers are Yankees fans. There's a couple Mets fans, obviously, but 
or Red Sox. I mean, usually if you're in the Boston area of any, even in I mean, Rhode New Island, England, is, New England for the Red Sox would be way up there. Mm-hmm. I, I would say the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, you go anywhere in the Southeast, the Braves are massive. They're huge, and the Braves partially. You know, my buddy Paul Hurley. I mean, he's a Braves fan because when we were kids, you had the Braves on TNT or TBS yep. every day after that school. That was my college roommate from Batesville was a diehard Braves fan. After Starcade, by the way. Oh yeah, WCW Starcade. No, Starcade was a video game uh, game show for kids. Hmm. It was kind of like Double Dare, but in, played in Aladdin's castle. Okay, it was pretty awesome. I've got three. Not to, I'm down the hatch. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. Thank you guys for bearing with me this morning because it was rough. I'm going to sleep all day, but we had so much fun. We will do it again tomorrow. Have a wonderful Monday. Greg Rakestraw in for John later this afternoon. Of course, the midday show as well. Have a good Monday, everybody.